Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Action Radio. This is Greg Penglis coming to you from the historic district of downtown Milton on the banks of the beautiful Blackwater River. And now let's get into Action Radio. <laughs> well, we hope so anyway. There's no guarantees we're going to get into Action Radio. This is what I'm calling now SometimesRadio.com. So welcome to SometimesRadio.com. SometimesRadio.com is where sometimes we have radio and sometimes we don't. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes we're broadcasting and sometimes we're not. Sometimes we get 57 minutes and sometimes we don't get any more than that. In fact, that's what happened twice. Sometimes the show doesn't start when the show starts. Sometimes the show starts eight minutes into when the show has already started. <laughs> sometimes we get the opening theme and sometimes we don't. So welcome to sometimesradio.com. That's what I'm calling it now because we never know what's going to happen. Now, Blog Talk has promised me that after three days of totally screwing up our show, that they've fixed it. Well, so far they have. But what's, what's fascinating to me is that it was fixed before. You know the expression, don't fix it, don't, uh, don't fix it if it ain't broke? Okay, well, it wasn't broke. It was actually working very well for a good couple of years. And then they screwed around with it. They, they tried to put a new connection uh, thing to our show. Now, the old connection was working 99% of the time. Once in a while, you get a little glitch, but it was working. The show came on. We connected. We didn't have a problem. Uh, the only problems I had was really when lightning would strike within you know, 50 feet of my, uh, my cottage here. And then, uh, <laughs> then the show would get short-circuited out. But pretty much that was it. I mean, that really was it. I've turned up the game a little bit. I'm trying to get a little bit further from the microphone. I'm experimenting again. So I wonder if I'm too close. I don't know. I just, I, I don't know. I'm just experimenting. So we shall see. So today we've got a little bit of a change. I've got the first hour. And then the Bianca Von Krieg uh, wanted to do uh, her progressive hour uh, and couldn't because the show ended like an hour before she came on. Uh, so Bonnie uh, missed and Bianca missed. And uh, Monday, the whole show missed. So we never got to hear from uh, uh, well, Jessica was off anyway, but never, we never got to hear from Jonathan um, or um, Dorothy. And so that totally missed. Tuesday, we got to hear Brianna, and then, the, then that was it. Then Brianna was gone. Um, and, then, uh, and then, of course, the whole rest of the show was gone, too. So we had uh, Josie missed her chance in the open hour. I didn't have a guest schedule, fortunately, fortunately so that worked out. Wednesday? Wednesday, we got Bill uh, Fecky in the first half hour and Wendy Arthur in the second half hour up to about five after the hour because we started, um, the show actually started and then it started again. <laughs> so we weren't live, but we were live, you know, so the show, the opening theme came on about eight minutes into, uh, into our show, which totally freaked me out. That's never happened before. So <laughs> Marco texts in from the Netherlands. Are we ready for the 57 minute show today? Good. I hope not. As uh, Marco, you missed my opening uh, uh, monologue here, but I'm calling this sometimesradio.com. So welcome to sometimesradio.com, where sometimes we have radio and sometimes we don't. We don't know what's going to happen. Um, but at uh, Blog Talk, they refuse to answer my questions, like, are we going to get a refund for the shows they've canceled? Uh, I have been asking for four things now. Uh, Marco's smiling. Marco's on, on live, uh, live chat. So the reason you can't hear him is because he's on live chat. All right, I have to turn my, I'm experimenting my, with my game, but it's too strong because I'm, I'm hearing my voice bounce in my headset. So hang on. Got to turn on the back of the microphone. Let's try down a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just wondering if I get away from the mic, is it going to be clearer? But uh, apparently, uh, if I raise my voice even slightly, it just bangs in my ear. So uh, game, the game is very sensitive. But that's why you don't hear a lot of background noise, because I've, I've got the game so low that uh, I have to be you know, within like three to five inches of the microphone. Uh, and the sound much beyond that doesn't register, which is good. All right. So anyway, um, so the Block Talk says they've got a fix. But, you know, I've been trying for decibel meters for almost four years now. 
Yeah, Pianki says these are are trying times we're in. Well, the, I mean, for me, they've always been trying times. I, you know, I've uh, I've had struggles that uh, that uh, you know build character, as they say. So now I got a lot of character. <laughs> Built up a whole lot of character, a whole lot of reserve energy, a whole lot of yeah, I've seen that before. So uh, I don't care. I just keep just I'm the ever ready bunny. I just keep on going. And because uh, I know in, ultimately in the end, we're going to persevere and this show is going to be wildly successful. Um, and so we're, we're on our way and we're getting there. OK, now, the reason I read live chat for folks who are listening on podcast is because on podcast, you can't see live chat because you're not live. You're on podcast, <laughs> which should encourage you to go live so you can actually participate in some of our scintillating, stimulating, exciting, uh, sometimes contentious live uh, uh, action debates between everybody. <laughs> it really gets kind of fun here. I uh, haven't heard from Warren for a while. Don't have uh, Bertha Nazi, and we don't have uh, our liberal caller who picked various different names. Uh, probably none of them were real. All right, let's get to the news. So a lot of things. Actually, let me get a news. Let me see if my news themes work because <laughs> you never know around here uh, what's going to work and what isn't these days. So so let me play this, and let's get you in the mood for some news. We'll get on the wire service and we'll see what's happening. Um, this is where I ask uh, Mark on the network. Do you know that sound? Have you ever heard that sound? Have you ever seen a wire teletype um, when it when it picks up things and uh, flights on the wire service from AP and things like that? When they and have them have the have the copy boy, because we call them copy boys, like rip off the copy and take it directly to the broadcasters. You know, when when they say hot off the press, they're not kidding. It is warm. You know, the paper's warm when it comes off and or warm off a printer, and it'll go right to uh, the news desk. Um, but every once in a while, they get it wrong. And I've got this on the comedy page, but uh, I should relate this to, to the audience because it's hysterical. Um, there was a tragic crash several years ago in San Francisco of an Asiana Airlines, and they had four pilots on board. It was a perfectly clear, sunny day, and they still crashed. Well, how did it happen? Well, hierarchy. You know, the, the, uh, the captain was screwed up. Uh, the captain did not know how to fly without an autopilot because he hadn't flown without an autopilot in probably 20 years. They always do auto land because it's easier, right? So you don't want pilots actually making decisions. You know, Pianchi knows about this. He's a pilot. Anyway, uh, so they don't hand fly. They don't hand fly anymore. And so the pilot was, was way too low, uh, had no idea what was happening. And, of course, the, the, the Asiana crew, you know, there's a hierarchy. You don't question the captain. The captain's God, right? So Americans would say, you idiot. Pull up, put some power on. What the hell's going on? Or the first officer would say, "I'm relieving you. You're, you you can't do this." But you, but and it, well, that's it's even rare in American cockpits because the captains are are the boss. But uh, you know, most Americans rather than die would would say something. But in this case, the Asiana pilots would rather die than say something because it, it would be you know anti face saving. It would be whatever reason they did. It's cultural. Okay, so the culture of of some of the airlines, uh, the Asian airlines is so restrictive. I know a case of a a pilot. We're going to talk flying a a whole bunch this hour. But I know the case of a Japan Airlines pilot that killed himself after a bad landing. He was so embarrassed at doing a bad landing, he killed himself. Okay, most Americans won't do that. (laughs) We, you know, we might excuse if you're a Democrat, you make an excuse. It was Trump's fault. So that bad landing, climate change. Climate change. The, the climate change caused that bad lighting. That's what the Democrat pilots will do. The Republican pilots will uh, uh, say, we'll get them next time. <laughs> you know, but the, the Asian pilots will kill themselves. It's really cultural. Flying is very cultural. It's very interesting um, how it all works. And I know that because when I taught flying, a bunch of international students who are going to get better jobs than me in much shorter time uh, were learning how to fly in the United States. 
And so it was fascinating. We had the uh, Japan Airlines had a training facility at Napa Airport, so they could all go out and you know go wine tasting, <laughs> you know, after after their studies because they're right there in Napa Valley, beautiful airport. And they all had advanced turbine airplanes and paid for by Japan, and because uh, our field price, prices are so low, so a lot of the world comes to train in the United States. Uh, that's how it works. Let's get uh, hey John. John just joined our uh, so we've got John, um, uh, Marco, and Pianchi uh, on live chat. So live chat's pretty uh, pretty interesting these days. Anyway, so John, we're talking flying. Uh, John, have you ever flown? Let me know if you're if you're if you're a lot of times. Uh, John does our gun report on Fridays. John Monaco. and very often you'll find that people who fly also shoot, and people who shoot also fly, uh, and also do sailing or or, or sail planning too. But uh, sailors, pilots, and and target shooters, uh, it, it's all your zone. And musicians, you know, we all get in this kind of zone, and you'll find that people who do things in a zone. I do a lot of similar things. You, you find a lot of police officers are also competition shooters, are also pilots. Uh, it's, it's the discipline. It's how it works. Uh, no, uh, John says he's never flown. Okay, John, when I get my airplane, when we get successful, I'm going to fly up to Montana, and I'll take you upside down in my uh, uh, in my either turboprop or jet, whatever I can afford to buy at the time. All right, so a um, couple of announcements real quick, then we'll get into this amazing article by Revolver Magazine. So the first thing is I was watching Trump last night, and I got bored because it's the same speech he gave before and the same speech he gave before. So what was the purpose of going to Hialeah? Well, then I looked at the audience, and, and I was watching the people come up to speak uh, briefly you know, beforehand. Not so much what they say, because they all say the same thing, but the fact they were all, they were all Hispanic. They're all Latino. And I'm thinking, this guy's brilliant. <laughs> so, and so the speech is the same, but the audience is completely different. Now, why would Trump – come on, folks, put your thinking caps on, right? Why would Trump go before a, a, like a 95% Hispanic audience and have all those wonderful brown faces? And I hate that expression, brown face. I don't like black and brown. I don't, I like, I don't like characterizing people by color, but the media does it. So, you know, let's, uh, the, you know I'll do it for the sake of that. Just, it, it, it's in my own sarcastic way I'm doing this. So, so Trump. You know, the, you know, Hillary just called him a, a Nazi again. Well, Hillary should know, being a Nazi herself, because only leftists can be Nazis, because Nazi stands for National Socialist, National Socialist German Workers' Party. Okay? That's as left as it gets. So Hillary calling somebody a Nazis, Nazi uh, is hysterical, being one. You know, it, I'm, I'm trying to think it would be like, uh, you know, call, like an executioner calling somebody else a murderer. <laughs> I don't know. Or, no, serial killer. It would be, like, it, be like a serial killer accusing somebody else of murder who didn't do it. That, that's that's the only equivalent I can think of offhand. But uh, no, uh, John, I'm not back in the air yet. No, so I'm responding to John's post. I'm not back in the air yet. I'm still poor. <laughs> we still have to go through Citizen Legislation Day and and break through the censorship. But uh, we're working on that. All right. So anyway, so so Trump. So I thought it was a brilliant play last night. So Trump gets before this audience, and all it, is, it looks it looks like a bunch of guys. Looks like about a, I would say 25 to to 40 year old Latino dudes. All with mustaches, <laughs> you know, all going, yeah, Trump, hey, man, we don't need no thinking budgets. We like Trump. He's a great guy. <laughs> you know, it was really funny. And they all have these wonderful Hispanic accents. And, uh, yeah, I'm for Trump. Uh, Trump, yeah, he's my man. You know, I, I can't do a Hispanic accent. My apologies to my, my Latino brethren, uh, or maybe I should say, you know, compatriots. Um, but I'll work on it. You know, I'll have to watch that film. Does anybody know where – let me ask a little trivia question. So we got Pianchi, we got Marco, and we got uh, John on the line. Where does the line come from? Badges? We don't need no stinking badges. I just a uh, little movie trivia. I'll let you guys think about that, and I'll tell you tell you the answer uh, in a little bit. If I'm talking fast, it's because I haven't got my radio quotient. You know, I've only done I've done less than two hours of radio this week <laughs> until now. Uh, you know, and I normally would have done um, twelve hours. 
three times four. So three hours a day plus four days would have been, well, no, three times three would be nine hours. I would have done nine hours of radio and, I, and I've done less than two. So I'm, I'm way down on my radio quotient. Um, so that's how that works. All right. So that, that's Trump. So the speech is boring. So what I think he needs is us. He needs to get out there and talk about citizen legislation. And I need to meet him. I mean, this is what we're trying to do. This is, this is part of what Citizen Legislation Day is all about. Okay. So we've got, uh, we've got a new flyer out. And for those that have checked our new flyer, it's on my Facebook page. Uh, Derek Park has been added as a sponsor. And so Derek Park is our Action Radio financial reporter and advisor. Um, and so he's on there. We've got um, Gene Valentino is a sponsor. And he's a person I've had on. He's a friend of mine. Uh, he's been on for, for various aviation things. He's a local politician and businessman. Um, we've got uh, Dr. Deb Biglione, who, who wanted her logo. And let's see if we can get her picture on, because Deb's, uh, Deb's amazing. So I want to get her face on that as well. And the two special guests so far are Dr. Judy Mikovits, who's been on the show about 30 or 40 times already, and, uh, and uh, Mario Prado, who is the producer of uh, the movie that we're involved with called The Falcon. And so I'm not sure how. It's, it's kind of like, uh, you know, God kind of directing the right people in the right direction. But uh, apparently I'm one of the creative, uh, you know, forces <laughs> behind this movie called The Falcon, which I can only characterize as a, as a patriotic historic thriller. And all I can tell you, and I let Mario tell the story, but basically, uh, normally, uh, you know, life imitates art. Well, in this case, art is imitating life because we already have the Action Radio Citizen Legislature. And it does play a, a large part in this film, uh, even though it's set at our founding. So uh, that's all I'm going to tell you now. But it's fascinating that, uh, you know, starting Action Radio has opened up these amazing doors. I've met people I never would have met. I'm talking to people I probably never would have talked to, like Marco in the Netherlands. What are the chances? You know, that, uh, that we'd be uh, talking almost on a daily basis, you know, here. Although we've never actually talked, he messages in and I, I talk to him over the microphone. That probably, that never would have happened unless I was in radio. And, and so these amazing things are happening and people are coming together. I'm trying to get a few more folks. Uh, I've already talked to Brian Artis, who's a friend of mine, Dr. Artis, trying to get him as a guest. Uh, Del Betri would be nice, the media guy, never met him. Uh, I think he'd love what we do, but, you know, getting through to somebody that big in media is hard. And so we're working on that, too. And all these different things, sponsors, we still need a couple more $100 contributions. And so I'm uh, talking to folks, local, especially local business. I really want to get some of the local folks here uh, contributing and being a, becoming a part uh, of Action Radio and everything we're doing here. Because, you know, and I, I tell them, I say, look, help me help you. If you help me, I will help you. I will help you with a worldwide media uh, show and a worldwide media event. In other words, Citizen Legislation Day. Uh, and that's going to help all of Milton. So I'm going to help them whether they want me to or not, <laughs> you know, kind of thing. Anyway, so that's what's going on there. So Citizen Legislation Day, we've covered Trump's speech. Um, the other big news, and this just happened, of course, this wasn't covered in the mainstream news because they don't want anything to do with it, is that James Comer has released a, uh, uh, a list of subpoenas that he sent out. And I'm going to pull it up right now because that's funny as hell. I mean, I love this. This is just sit back and watch the fun. Okay. So all of you who are crusading and, and, and calling it the, uh, the, the, you know, Brandon, um, you know, O'Biden, <laughs> you know, so that's basically what it is. The, it's like the Brandon Obama coup, right? So it's the Brandon Obama government, which is illegal. Uh, and one American news is starting to say that too. They're, they're calling it the, uh, the, the, the illegal resident of the white house. And they're actually using real terms to describe uh, Brandon Obama. And Brandon Obama is my name for Brandon, who's the figurehead, but Obama, who's pulling the strings. And so this is, this is how I see it. Anyway, this is right from uh, James Comer's uh, office. Comer issues subpoenas to Biden family and associates, November 8th, 2023, yesterday when I only had 57 minutes of, <laughs> of, uh, of airtime. Oh, for immediate release. And the contact is Austin Hacker. <laughs> okay. I, I'm sorry. I just find that funny. 
that the, the, the contact, the last name of the contact for, for an investigation of subpoenas, and the last name is Hacker? Call me crazy. I, I just call him as I see him, right? Anyway, Dateline Washington. House Committee on Oversight and Accountability Chairman James Comer, Republican of Kentucky. See, you notice he's from the South? Okay. See, the South is going to save this country. Whether this country wants to or not, the South is going to save this country. Southerners, you know, from Texas to uh, Virginia, uh, just take that whole southwest corner, uh, excuse me, southeast corner of the United States. That's, this, uh, that's where this country is going to be safe from. Uh, that includes who's in Florida now. He's not a New Yorker anymore. They, they don't want him, and he doesn't want them. So James Comer, Republican of Kentucky, a real Republican, not a, a dishrag rhino, uh, today issued subpoenas to pres- uh, excuse me, hmm, illegal occupant Joe Biden's, oh, no, President Joe Biden's, excuse me, <clears throat> let me start again. Brandon Obama's son, Hunter Biden, brother James Biden, uh, Biden family associate Rob Walker, whom I don't know, to appear for depositions. <laughs> this is going to be so much fun. Chairman Comer also requested additional members of the Biden family and their associates to appear uh, for transcribed interviews. Chairman Comer plans to send additional subpoenas and transcribed interview requests later this week. So they're just getting started. Okay, I'll, I'll spare you the details. Let me just give you the list. Uh, because I'll, I'll read this article probably, I think Monday, uh, Jonathan, and I should go over it. All right, so scroll, scroll, scroll. Here's the list. Below are links for today's subpoenas and transcribed interview requests. So you can, look up, you can look up the subpoena. Hunter Biden, James Biden, Rob Walker, Sarah Biden, Hallie Biden, Elizabeth Secundi, Melissa Cohen, and here's my favorite, Tony Bobolinsky. Hey, Tony. Hey, Tony Bobolinsky. If you ever heard Tony Bobolinsky, he gets on, he gets on, hey, well, yeah, so it's like the family, you know. Let me, let me get my, I can do my Italian. All right, so Tony Mabalinski, anyway, that's better. So, you know, Tony uh, talked to uh, Tucker Carlson, and he was saying that, uh, yeah, the family's involved, but uh, we made deals and things went on behind the scenes. And, you know, I can tell you so much, but I can't tell you everything. So I want immunity, you know what I mean? So you give me the immunity, then I'll tell you the story. So Tony Mabalinski is probably going to get full immunity uh, from anything he might have done. And he's going to sing like a canary. He's got to sing like a canary. It's going to be so much fun to listen to this. And then it says, read more Biden family investigation and the Biden's influence peddling timeline. <laughs> Don't you love it? James Comer is so cool. Okay, so it's press release directly from James Comer's office. Uh, and so it's available on my Facebook page. Uh, it's at the uh, special investigations page. And it's also on the Trump 2024 page, which are groups of Action Radio. All right, let's get to the main event here. So for those that uh, know anything about aviation, that would be Pianchi and me because we're pilots. Um, oh, <laughs> I just noticed that uh, um, John has, has typed in Blazing Saddles. Uh, I'm not sure. Are we talking about politics? No. Oh, so Blazing Saddles is the guesswork. Badges, we don't need no stinking badges. No, it's actually way before that. They did it as a satire. Blazing Saddles said that, but that's not where it's first heard. Pianchi might know. Uh, I don't know if Marco's going to know because I don't know how if you watch uh, old American movies, but uh, I'm going I'm to I'm let Pianchi wreck his brain for a while. Where was it first said in the movies? Badges? We don't need no stinking badges. <laughs> it, it's a great line. And of course, it became a cliche, but it's been around for a while. Uh, Marco says, hey, I played Strike Commander when I was a kid. I'm an expert. Okay, well, you know, don't look it up. Marco, if you look it up, you're cheating. Uh, or if you do look it up, tell me. Well, we'll do it at the bottom of the hour if, if you haven't guessed. Uh, then we'll look it up, on, or I'll just tell you. All right, so let's get the article here. So that's, that's James Comer. Let me just move over my articles a little bit. So Revolver, one of my favorite magazines, uh, has done a whole expose. And I saw this on, I think it was The War Room. Steve Bannon had, uh, had the editor of, War, of uh, Revolver on. And I forgot his name. Let's see if I can find him at the bottom here. It's a long article, so I wanted to take some time going over this. We'll see how much we get to this hour. Oh, boy, that's a long article. 
Yeah, you got to read it. Read it. You got to read the whole thing. Now, I don't see the editor. Oh, here it is. Darren B- Darren Beatty. That's right. Darren Beatty is the is the uh, editor of Revolver. So you want to go to this site. It's one of the many sites I recommend that you don't hear about all the time because they're good. <laughs> Article is Crash Landing: The Inside Scoop About How COVID and Affirmative Action Policy Gutted Airline Safety. November seventh. So we're talking two days ago, barely. What's today? The ninth. Yeah, nice. So it was two days ago. It starts off, two private planes glided on a runway of a Houston airport early last week. Luckily, no one was seriously injured, and the ultimate nightmare scenario of a mid-air collision did not transpire. Investigators are still looking into the incident, though early reports suggest the air traffic controllers were responsible. Okay. For those of you that have ever flown, especially if you fly in instrument meteorological conditions, in other words, in the clouds, your life, and especially if you don't have any kind of um, airborne TCAS, terminal control airplane separation or whatever it's called. So if you don't have radar to detect other airplanes, you are completely dependent on air traffic control from keeping other airplanes from running into you and you running into other airplanes because you're in the clouds. You can't see anything. All you've got are your instruments. Uh, If you don't have an autopilot, you're even more dependent because if you stray from your course because you get distracted, they're like, uh, excuse me, Cessna, you know, one, two, three, four, five, you know, (laughs) x-ray. Seems to be a little off course. Oh, yeah, thanks. Jeez, damn, I'm sorry. You know, so that's why autopilots, especially for single pilot operation, autopilot clouds are critical because they hold your heading and hold your altitude. uh, And uh, hopefully they'll they'll ring little bells if you screw up. (laughs) Anyway. So then it says, luckily, no one was seriously injured, and the ultimate nightmare scenario of a mid-air collision did not transpire. So air traffic controllers are critical. Now, they do not fly the airplanes for you, okay? So just to, just to be clear about, the, about some little aviation terminology, when they say you are cleared for takeoff, that does not mean you have to go. You're still pilot in command. What that means is if you go right now and accept the clearance, the runways will be clear for you. And what it turns out is that it's not always as clear as you would think. So there's supposed to be separation, three miles uh, on final and three miles on departure. Three miles sounds like a big separation, but when you're going, you know, 200, 250 knots, three miles is like about 10 seconds <laughs> or less, maybe more than that. What, uh, someone can figure it out. But anyway, three miles, if you're, let's say 200 knots. If you're going, so called three nautical miles. So if you're going, well, I can do it myself. So let me get my calculator out here. So um, so if you're going 250 knots, which is the minute, which is the maximum speed below 10,000 feet, uh, divided by three miles, you're going to cover that in uh, what 83 seconds? I don't know. Now, someone's been someone has a flight calculator. Please figure that out. <laughs> Post it online. Pianki, do you have a flight calculator? Uh, here we go. So let's see what Marco says now. Let's see. He's, he's got a quote. I know the quote of the movie. Don't know which one. A Clint Eastwood Western, maybe. Actually, before Clint Eastwood. All right, let me give you a big hint. Humphrey Bogart was in the film. And I'm thinking, wait a minute, Humphrey Bogart in a Western? And it was black and white. So let's put your thinking caps on. What Western was Humphrey Bogart in that was black and white where the words were first heard, badges, we don't need no stinking badges. I know old movies, okay? I just, it's one of those things, you know. Anyway, back to the article, because this is serious. And so you really, I mean, especially in the busier airports, now the airspace is getting busier and busier. And you might think, well, there's all that space up there. How come planes run into each other? Well, because they fly at certain altitudes that are assigned to them. Uh, they don't just fly, they don't just pick a random altitude like, you know, uh, 22,680 feet. They don't do that. They fly at even or odd altitudes. They're separated by, uh, I think, it used to be 4,000 feet. Now I think they're down to 2,000 feet. So the separation is, is smaller because there's more airplanes up there. 
the, the airspace around the major airports is getting more crowded. So it's actually safer, I believe now, to fly yourself and to fly to smaller airports. And so that's what I'll be looking into is when I start flying to conventions and speeches and things and radio uh, and TV appearances. I want to do my own flying. I'll just fly in early. I'll, just, I'll fly in a couple of days early uh, when the weather is you know, decent uh, and just uh, do the show uh, from wherever I go. I, I, I can do the show from anywhere in, in, the, in the planet. There's a plug and a Wi-Fi. You know, I'm not dependent on, on location to do it. I don't have a studio. I have a desk and <laughs> a computer. I've got an iPad, a microphone, and a headset. That's how I do the show. Back to the article. Uh, New York Times Archive says, we just had a midair. The pilot of the Hawker is heard saying in an audio recording posted on liveatc.net, which shares live and archive recordings of air traffic control radio transmissions. Someone in the control tower, tower responds by saying, say what? And the Hawker jet pilot said, you guys cleared somebody to take off or land, and we hit them on a departure. That's what the Hawker pilot said. Hitting another airplane is a major, major deal. Even if the damage is minimal, both airplanes are grounded, full inspections, full repairs, recertification, return to service, you name it. If there's an injury, it's even more serious. If there's a fatality, uh, then, then all hell breaks loose. I mean, it's just it's an amazing uh, thing that they have to go through before the pilots are released, before the airplanes are released, before anything can happen. And rightly so. If you lose, if you lose a person in an airplane accident, I mean, everybody's you know, held to account and investigated, including the air traffic controllers. So here's what's going on. So then the article says, the recent accident in Houston is just the latest, the latest noteworthy instance of what a major New York Times investigation this summer determined to be an alarming pattern of safety lapses and near misses in the skies and on the runways in the USA. Let me, let me clear something up here because we pilots talk about this too. It's not a near miss. It's a near hit. Okay. A, a, miss, a miss is a miss. Okay. If you miss, that's good. But how close were you to being hit? That's the question. You know, is it several miles or is it, you know, 20 feet? makes a big difference, especially the speeds these airplanes are going, the weight that, that they are. And airplanes have to keep flying. Okay, airplanes don't stop once they're a helicopter. Airplanes don't park and think about it. They don't pull over. Airplanes have to keep going. And they have to keep going pretty fast in order to keep the air over the wings fast enough to support these multi, multi-ton airplanes. All right, so according to initial internal records of the FAA, the Federal Aviation Agency, actually, it should be the administration that they goofed, Federal Aviation Administration, the Times reported that these safety lapses and near misses, excuse me, near hits, uh, occurred as a result of human error. Well, that means air traffic control. Air traffic control is responsible for separating airplanes. That's their job. So if they've got near hits out there, that's the fault of air traffic control. Pilots are responsible. Yes, pilots are responsible to see and avoid. Yes, I know that. But in the operation, in the normal course of operations, it could be night. You might not see. You know, air, air, airline cockpits aren't designed to look sideways or backwards. Like a small plane, sometimes you can look out the back window, but even most times you can't even do that in a small plane. You can't see below you. <laughs> you know, a lot of places you can't see. So the pilot is responsible for flying the airplane and trying to see and avoid other airplanes or use their electronics if they have them. But air traffic control's primary responsibility, their number one responsibility, is to keep airplanes separated. That's their job. If they're not doing their job, we've got a problem. Then it says the Times report further revealed that, quote, runway incursions of the sort described above have nearly doubled. From 987 to 1,732, despite the widespread proliferation of advanced technologies. So we have better technology. We have better radar. We have radar on board the airplanes. We have radar at the uh, air traffic uh, at the airports. We have all kinds of amazing technology, but, but technology is useless if people don't know how to use it or don't use it. Back to the article. 
A follow-up report by the Times revealed that Austin's airport alone has experienced so many close calls as a result of the air traffic controller error. Austin's a liberal city, don't forget, okay? As a result of air traffic controller error that a pilot proclaimed, quote, they're trying to kill us in Austin, unquote. One such incident involved an air traffic controller clearing a FedEx cargo plane to land on a runway just as a Southwest Airlines jet was set to take off on the same runway. The air traffic controller in question said the Southwest jet would take off before the FedEx jet got too close. Well, that's an interesting assumption on their part, right? This is though the two planes ended up just seconds from colliding, seconds from colliding, with the FedEx plane skimming less than 100 feet over the Southwest jet whose 128 passengers had no clue how narrowly they just escaped death. So here's what happened, okay? Now, you read the article. It's on my, it's on my Facebook page. You can't miss it, right? Uh, or just go to Revolver. It's their, it's their top story. They have a whole diagram. They have a whole scenario. They did a whole graphic of how this Southwest jet is told to uh, hop, you know, taxi onto the runway and take off. Well, it takes a while for a jet to get speed. It's a lot slower than a plane coming in for landing. So the landing airplane comes down and would have collided with the jet, but they aborted the takeoff at the last minute, full power on, and they went around, but they went around just several feet above the Southwest jet. Had it not been exactly the way it worked out, had it been uh, the Fed- Southwest jet been a little slower, had the pilots of the FedEx jet been a little slower in reaction time, they would have collided and the hundreds of people would have been killed. Well, I mean, you would have been 128 passengers plus FedEx was a cargo plane. So you would have had millions upon millions of dollars of airplane, hundreds of lives lost. Uh, and an absolute tragedy, all for no reason, all because the pilot screwed up. I mean, the air traffic controller screwed up and said, okay, go ahead and take off before the FedEx jet lands. Yeah, good luck with that. Well, let me tell you about an incident. This is, this is a for real incident that happened to me, okay? This is where pilots uh, have to be, uh, yeah. Uh, he says, Humphrey Bogart, black and white window. Uh, woo, yeah. And then he says, flying under the hood, yeah. So, uh, yeah, flying under the hood is not something you want to do <clears throat> in instrument conditions. Uh, you know, you can't do that. Oh, flying under the, that's an instrument training device. Okay, I'm, I'm, getting, I'm digressing here. Uh, let me hold it and give you the answer. The movie is, is The Treasure of Sierra Madre. Okay, I think it was like 1947. And that's when, uh, when a stereotypical Mexican dude, you know, with, with two bandoliers of ammo around him and the big hat, that was characteristic of, of Mexican bandidos in the movies, um, says badges. We don't need no stinking badges. When Humphrey Bogart asked for like, you know, you know, where's your badge? <laughs> anyway, treasure of Sierra Madre about two thirds of the way through. So you can look that up and uh, verify for yourself. Okay. Back to the airplanes. All right. So what happened to me? And then I'll take a break and play you my contact information. What happened to me as an instructor? Okay. Now, again, I taught my students to think, to act that air traffic control makes mistakes. I've had a couple of pl- times. One time air traffic control forgot me and, and uh, wanted, uh, would have had me fly into uh, the hills around Oakland. And I started climbing. And I said, uh, and I advised him, I said, uh, Tower, Cessna, whatever we were flying, you know, is climbing to avoid terrain. Oh, yeah, yeah, climb to 4,000 feet. You know, uh, switch the frequency so-and-so. They literally forgot us, okay? So I reminded them by saying we are climbing. Now, did I violate an air traffic control directive? Sure, because they told me to maintain altitude. But if I maintained that altitude, we would have flown into the East Bay Hills and made the evening news. Well, I'm not willing to do that. So you're allowed to take command of your airplane. And, but I also made sure air traffic control knew what we were doing. And so they didn't fault me because they know they screwed up, okay, even though they're the FAA. So the FAA goes, yep, okay, climb, you know, resume, normal, nav, you know, whatever it was. Anyway, so off we went. And it was fine. And I told my students, I said, look, this is what you do. You know, save yourself, fly the airplane, and then call them. <laughs> you know, aviate, navigate, communicate. 
That's that's just something that we we drum into our students because it was drummed into us. Aviate, fly the airplane. Navigate, know where you're going. What's third? Communicate. Air traffic control does not have to know first. Fly the airplane, navigate the airplane, then communicate. That's the order. Okay. So what happened to me was I was in a training. I was training a Cessna 310, and uh, I was told to taxi onto the runway and hold. So in other words, instead of waiting, you either hold short of the runway, in other words, you're off the runway, but if it's, if it's clear enough, but they, they still want you to hold for maybe departing traffic, you taxi onto the runway and hold. In other words, when they clear you for takeoff, you just, you know, put the, the throttles to the, you know, pedal of the metal, as they say, throttles forward and off you go. Well, I heard a Gulfstream um, behind us. In fact, this is the exact scenario that just happened with the Southwest uh, and the FedEx jet. So I heard a Gulfstream behind me. You know, Gulfstream cleared to land on the same runway that I was on. I'm like, that's not going to work, <laughs> you know, and, and I couldn't call the tower because the frequency was jammed. So I just took the airplane off the runway. Did I ask permission to get off the runway? No. I just took the airplane off the runway, took the throttles. Susan's like, what are you doing? We're supposed to hold short. Uh, nope. <laughs> I said, yeah, we were supposed to hold short, but he just cleared, but uh, air traffic control just cleared a Gulfstream to land on top of us. And I'm, I'm going to give him a clear runway. I'm not going to be there. And so we did. We taxied off the runway. And the tower's like, you know, what are you doing, Cessna so-and-so? I said, we cleared the runway for the approaching Gulfstream. And they're like, oh, oh, yeah, good idea. Thank you. And the Gulfstream, like, it's too late. We've already gone around. You know, so the Gulfstream saw us, too. So in that case, you had two pilots that took command. The Gulfstream pilot went around, you know, and aborted their landing, uh, which is very expensive in the Gulfstream. That probably cost them a few thousand dollars to, you know, to, to, uh, to abort that takeoff. Uh, well, maybe not that much. But, uh, you know, Gulfstream is a big business jet. That's the big luxurious jet. Uh, but I already cleared the runway for them. So even if they hadn't seen me, we were okay. So you had two pilots, one pilot took command on the ground and one pilot took command in the air to fix something that air traffic control had done. That's how you do it. Air traffic control said, oh, yeah, thanks, guys. You know, they cleared the Gulfstream to land again, but it was too late, right? So once you commit to an action, you keep going. Gulfstream, once he's put the throttles in, he's not going to pull the throttles back out again and try and land and try and, you know, from a botched approach, that's not going to work. Anyway, I know we're talking a lot of aviation. Um, I'm going to take a break now. And if anybody wants to type in, you know, a message on live chat, like, Greg, what are you talking about? Feel free. So I'm only going to play this uh, and try to intersperse some other announcements because I have a lot of article to go. But let's get the contact information and hopefully we'll get past 57 minutes and we'll see what happens. I'll be right back. Here is your Action Radio contact and website information. The call-in line is 215-383-3832. Our show site is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Same link, live and a podcast. Please share all our shows. We have live chat at the bottom of the broadcast page available worldwide. Sign in to your free account and type away. We have an internet Skype line where you can call the show worldwide also. Please see the broadcast page for our Skype name. Call in during the show to get approved. Our bill writing site is writeyourlaws.com. W-R-I-T-E-Y-O-U-R-L-A-W-S. Writeyourlaws.com. This is where anyone can write a bill and start the process of it becoming law. My paid and free subscription column is at gregpenglis.substack.com. Please consider a paid subscription of $5 per month or greater. For contributions to Action Radio, please go to givesendgo.com slash actionradio. We have over 20 Action Radio Facebook groups. Use the Facebook search window by putting in 
Action Radio to find our groups. My public email is greg at writeyourlaws.com. Please contact me about advertising on Action Radio and helping our mission of freedom. Thank you for listening. And it looks like uh, Marco says he doesn't watch movies that old. Treasure of Sierra Madre. And he says, oh, wait, I watched Reefer Mandis. That came out in the 30s. Reefer Mandis is what my fraternity in college used to show once a year. It cost us like 25 bucks to rent it because it was so old. And we made, you know, like $1,000 on it from, from all the students. That was our party money for the semester. Uh, or actually for the year. So we, we could throw a lot of good parties on 1000 bucks in those days back in the 80s. So, yeah, the Reefer Mandis and I are old friends. <laughs> Not Reefer itself, uh, but, uh, but the movie. All right, let's get back to the article here. Um, and so this this is quite fascinating. So there we go. Let's uh, let's start. And then it's got below, then it has the audio exchange. So they actually have the pilot. Uh, and the pilots from Incom during this whole thing, which pilots usually do. Well, not going to especially Southwest. They're not going to tell their passengers that they almost got killed, you know. But I'm sure it rattled them. It would have rattled me to have a FedEx jet fly right overhead and go, oh my god, you know, because uh, like a few seconds either way, they all would have been killed. All right. Then it says, despite this is the, the article in Revolver magazine. Despite the remarkable lack of transparency with respect to such near misses, or near hits as I call them, and the air traffic controllers behind them, the Times, that's the New York Times, was able to identify the controller behind the incident as one Damian Campbell. Okay, here's where, here's where it gets interesting. This is where we get to the woke and affirmative action aspect. It says, Damian Campbell, a Navy veteran and self-published poet. That's just what we needed air traffic control as poets, right? It says, according to the report, even fellow air traffic controllers were baffled by Campbell's actions. Still, yeah, because they almost killed a bunch of people and, and crashed a couple airplanes. Still, more baffling, back to the article, is the fact that Campbell is apparently back on the job. See, that's the government for you. You know, you know almost you know, the sole job of air traffic controllers is to keep airplanes separate. This idiot almost crashed us two together, and he's still on the job. That's wrong. <laughs> he's been fired immediately for being, you know, or done something else. You know, go, so, go serve somewhere else in the FAA, but, you know, not, you, you can't serve in the towers if you're that stupid. There's, there's too many lives at stake. Uh, then it says FAA's policy is not to take disciplinary action against a controller unless he or she is guilty of, quote, gross negligence or illegal activity. What, what do they consider gross negligence? You know, Tenerife in, in uh, the Canary Islands when two 747s crashed into each other? That actually was the fault of one of the pilots who disobeyed an air traffic control directive uh, and, and took off when they shouldn't have. One plane was clear. One 747 was cleared to land. The other one said, ah, we're going to go anyway. And, and, and almost 800 people died. All right. Then it says the Times report does not provide a picture of Mr. Campbell. Of course not, because it's the New York Times. And of course, we have a picture of Damian Campbell. He, he's an affirmative action candidate for sure. All right. Um, black dude, beard. <laughs> you know, it's, <laughs> this is so bad. And not that black dudes can't be air traffic controllers. I've met some. You know, I'm, black pilots, fabulous pilots. Not an issue. It's all about character and ability. But uh, my, my problem is that this being a government woke organization where affirmative action plays a key part in all hiring these days, that they would rather hire somebody of the right skin color, uh, like Judge Jackson for the Supreme Court, uh, rather than somebody of exceptional ability. And air traffic control, that's where we separate the, the men from the boys, okay, and the women from the girls. That's not a place where you can screw up. You can screw up accounting. You can screw up welfare. You can screw up food stamps. You can screw up a lot of places, but you cannot screw up air traffic control. You cannot do it. You cannot have people that cannot do the job. It's just that it's not the place for affirmative action. 
Anyway, so it says, uh, such is the extreme reluctance, this is back to the article, such is the extreme reluctance to show the, an image of Mr. Campbell that the only reference we could find uh, is from a Twitter user who posted a screenshot of the LinkedIn profile of one Damian Campbell who works as an air traffic controller in Austin, Texas. The LinkedIn link has since been scrubbed. How about that? But Revolver has it. So take a look at Darian Campbell, the poet, the former Navy guy. This is, I've always been a self-motivated challenge seeker. My service in the military is a reflection of this while also fulfilling a desire to be part of something. That's very articulate, isn't he? And he says, <laughs> the article says, notice that apart from being a Damian Campbell in Austin, Texas, who works as an air traffic controller, the brief bio uh, above mentions service in the military, which would match the Times description of Campbell as a Navy veteran. It is also noteworthy, though not dispositive, that there is a self-published book of poems by a Damian Campbell titled Soul of a Fatherless Child. The Damian Campbell referred to in the Times report is also a self-published poet. So they're not guaranteeing it's the same person, but it's, I would say, a high probability. Then it says, the case of Damian Campbell and the near-collision incident in Austin, together with numerous other such incidents, I mean, how many others was he responsible for? If he's a controller in the air traffic control facility in Austin, Texas, and Austin, Texas is so dangerous the pilots are saying they're, they're trying to kill us in Austin. How many other incidents does this guy cause that were covered up? You know, I mean, do they, does he have to crash an airplane into another airplane before he loses his job? What do they say enough is enough? Being racist, Greg. Yeah, right. Then it says, uh, so anyway, this with, with other numerous other such incidents raised troubling questions that deserve further scrutiny. Revolver News conducted an investigation into the matter in considerable depth. Yeah, the article's huge. We spoke with several air traffic and FAA personnel, most of whom insisted on staying anonymous and off the record. Of course, because they don't want to lose their jobs for, for being racist, right? You know how this works. All right. Uh, not on this show, but, you know, government? Why do you think I don't work in government anymore? Let me see if I can catch up. Here we go. Uh, it says, while the disturbing decline in aviation safety is complex and multifaceted, we identified two major contributing factors that have received scant media attention. The first such factor is the likely contribution of disastrous COVID-era policies to the staffing shortage of many air traffic control rooms. The second factor is that aggressive affirmative action policies implemented during the Obama administration, no surprise there, have resulted in a catastrophic collapse in the quality of controllers. In short, COVID policies have gutted the quality of air traffic controllers, and diversity policies have gutted, well, no, gutted the quantity. Let me start that again. I, I misread it. In short. COVID policies have gutted the quantity of air traffic controllers, and diversity policies have gutted the quality of air traffic controllers, creating unprecedented danger for the aviation industry. So they don't have enough controllers, and the controllers they do have are incompetent. That should scare you. I have friends flying these days. You know, uh, and this is crazy. So my recommendation, my first recommendation is fly during the least crowded time possible. Fly in the middle of the day. Don't fly in the morning. Don't fly in, in the evening, you know, during the commute hours. All right. Don't fly that. Um, don't fly on the weekends. <laughs> fly on a Saturday. Fly on a Sunday morning. Everybody's in church. You know, the fewer airplanes in the sky, when you fly, the greater your chance of, uh, of not having an incident. It just becomes a numbers game. Don't fly. Controllers might be overworked, like at the end of a shift. I don't know when the shifts are, but I would, I would imagine, you know, you start a morning shift. So lunch. Lunch is a good time to fly. Middle of the day. Great time to fly. Fewer flights. Fewer airplanes in the sky. It's daylight so pilots can see better. Yeah, yeah. No. So forget those red eyes. Don't do it. Everybody's tired. Back to the article. 
The implications of these findings reach far beyond the scope of aviation, as important as this industry is. Rather, the collapse of the aviation industry must be understood in the context of the broader collapse in our ability to maintain the infrastructure of a first world society. That's not a color definition. That's a definition of, uh, of capability, of uh, you know, of, you know, potential uh, it's, 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 you know, first world, the industrial, you know, uh, free, you know, free market, uh, freedom uh, based, you know, first world, as opposed to the corrupt, uh, decadent, you know, moving on down the scale. And which is, this is a major and significant trend that we highlighted years ago in our coverage of the repeated failures of Texas, uh, Texas's electric power grid. Again, you know, if you combine COVID, which got rid of people, and affirmative action, which brings in people that are only based on their skin color or who they sleep with, that's no way to staff a government. The military is the same way. God help us if the military has to fight a war. Now, they haven't really fought a war since World War II. That was the last war. What they've had are military actions that went on for decades. That was, you know, nation building and a bunch of other things. And a whole lot of people were killed and a whole lot of people were crippled and a whole lot of civilians on, on uh, both sides. Yeah. Uh, I'm not saying that it wasn't violent and wasn't military actions, but as far as a declared war, an honest to goodness declared war against a nation, that could do us severe damage. And we haven't had a real war since World War II. And we haven't had a needed war since World War II either. Uh, those other ones never had to be fought. All right. So then Revolver says the mess with the Texas power grid. Do you guys remember when Texas shut down a couple of years ago in the wintertime? It's because they're idiots, right? The, the government people that run the Texas power grid, Austin is a liberal city. So all the Californians, when they move to Texas, hopefully most of them will go to Austin because it's already a liberal city. They'll feel right at home. So they, they think they're in Texas and they get the benefits of a, of a great economy and low taxes. But if they're all in Austin, then they're reinforcing all their bad policies there that they brought with them from California. This is the mess with the Texas power grid is only the beginning. In the years to come, American infrastructure will fail more and more often. America becomes less capable of maintaining the core elements of a first world country. Let's, let's, let's put this bluntly. You got rid of all the white guys. <laughs> okay. Like it or not, white guys work hard, are competent, and don't have affirmative action. We have to be better. We don't have advantages on SATs. We have to be better. We don't have, you know, set-asides and contracts and all those other things. We have to be better. And, of course, the, the counter-argument is, but, Greg, you've got white privilege. You know, you've got, uh, you know, all those, uh, you know, family, uh, you know, assistance, you know, way paid for you, trust funds, things like that. Well, I got news for you. Most white people don't have that. Some do, but some of every race do. You know, I'm sure there are extended uh, multi-generational Jewish families and Hispanic families and black families that help their kids and go for them. Good for them. Not a problem. That's the way it's supposed to work. You help your, you help your descendants. That's, that's your posterity. Of course you help them. But uh, when you get rid of all the white guys, you know, have you noticed the post office? Go to the post office. All the white guys are like 60 and over and about to retire. <laughs> they just are, all right? But uh, the white guys have to work harder to keep the job because they can be fired so easily. Minority folks can screw up uh, like Damian Campbell here, and they're not going to be removed because that'd be firing the black guy. That'd be racist, okay? It's a really serious situation. Now, no one's called in yet. I don't know if anybody can. Um, but we'll see. Oh, Pianchi says, yes, Greg, disregard the Nashville shooter rhetoric. Uh, we're probably going to talk about that. We got a progressive reporter, uh, Bianca Von Krieg. Now, if you want to talk about Nashville, I'm going to be, I don't want to do guilt by association. You know, in other words, lumping all trans people together any more than, than white guys are lumped in with Jeffrey Dahmer and Adolf Hitler. You know, we're not going to do guilt by association, but we are going to talk about it most likely. 
But uh, I'll leave that up to Bianca. I will, we'll, uh, or Pian- yeah, Bianca. So we'll see what happens with that. Right now I'm talking on the airplanes. <laughs> yeah. And so we're, we'll separate our hours. So, uh, you know, like I say, Bianca, if you, have, you want a question, uh, type in. I might bring you on the air. We'll, we'll, see, we'll see how it goes. Um, but I don't um, – but I, I'm really curious about it. What I'm really curious about in terms of, uh, terms of Nashville is not the manifesto, because we knew it was going to say. We knew it was a, a white-hating, you know, uh, you know, a supposedly wealthy-hating, privilege-hating. We knew exactly what it was going to say. That was not the issue. The issue was why it was suppressed, who suppressed it, and, and, uh, and, and why they thought that, that they could do that. Well, let's get Pianchi on the line right now. At least I know. I know the, let's see. Pianchi, can you hear me? Is the phone's working? As we check around. Well, it's much work. Anyway. Okay, good. So what's on your mind? No, that's a good topic that you're talking about. I said the uh, more uh-huh. about the Nashville shooter rhetoric is when you was absolutely right. Talk, you make mention that uh, white males have to work harder, and especially in the area of air, airport controller. That there is a very stressful job. <laughs> you got to be a very attentive because you have so many lives at stake. And we see you know, this thing of affirmative action, hiring people by base of the skin color is foolish. Mm-hmm. And as you know, you talked about it in this story, it can be lethal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, you can screw up in other areas of government. You know, if you screw up a welfare check, you just issue a new one. If you screw up, uh, you know, enforcing a regulation, you know, nobody particularly cares. Um, unless, it, well, some, some of them are pretty serious. Um, but if you, but like a safety regulation, but if you, if you screw up air traffic control, people die. Large numbers of people die. It, it's not a place for affirmative action. It's just not. I don't want generals in affirmative action. I don't want doctors in affirmative action. Uh, I don't even want lawyers in affirmative action because that can screw up people's lives too. If cases aren't decided properly. Um, so, but air traffic control. Now, so, so here's your, you know, let's, let's ask the obvious question. As a pilot, did anybody ever treat you differently as a black pilot? Did you ever, or did, were you just treated as a pilot like everybody, like every other pilot? No, I don't know how they could. Were they going to let me land in front of the plane in front of me? <laughs> let the black pilots land first. <laughs> That's actually hysterical. We, we should do a comedy skit on that. We could do that. And now, welcome to the world of Action Radio's Affirmative Action Air Traffic Control. Black and Hispanic pilots will land first. <laughs> let, me, let me work on that. <laughs> well, speaking of which, have you, you haven't heard my, uh, my Action Radio diversity workshop, have you? No, I have haven't. I'm just thinking about so. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, let me uh, – totally I, I basically yeah, – Here's a plane. Go ahead. Wait a minute. Here's a plane on this final, and here comes a black pilot. We let you just fly right over the top of them and land in front of them. It's <laughs> yeah. So in other words, uh, so I can see planes waiting to take off. Well, the black pilots taxi to the front, followed by the Hispanic pilots and the Asian pilots and the Jewish pilots and the white Christian male pilots. We're going to put you last in line. <laughs> this is getting stupid. All right. This is a good time to play uh, uh, my latest parody, the Action Radio Diversity Workshop. So for everybody listening, hang on. Uh, here we go. Uh, it might, oh, it's the right volume. Here we go. Hello there. At Action Radio, we have noticed that the Brandon Obama occupation coup has been replacing the entire federal government with black women, preferably lesbian black women, Kareem Abdul-Jean-Pierre Skyhook being the most prominent example. This is hardly diversity, equity, or inclusion. It's exactly the opposite. 
We, however, at Action Radio are undeterred by this massive segregation. So to redress our grievance against the race regime, we have come up with our own program to achieve balance once again. We call it the Action Radio Diversity Workshop. With just a few minor changes from standard DEI lesson plans and curricula, everyone should be able to adapt to our course right away. So here we go. All the instructors are white men. Black participants have to go in whiteface for the duration of the class. Outside of class exercises in whiteface will include applying for a job at the post office, making a civil rights claim, taking a scholastic exam, and finally being accused of white supremacy. Women, as an outside exercise, will have to apply for government contracts and college scholarships while identifying as a white man with a picture of a white guy on your application. All trans folks will have to trans back just to see what they gave up. LGBTQ folks for our lab assignment will be encouraged to have sex with someone of the opposite sex, and since there is only one opposite, this should make your choice easier. Class charges for black and Hispanic students will be $500 per student, most of which will be distributed back to the white and Asian students as reparations for affirmative action. Illegal aliens in the class will be identified in the citizenship check and will have their assets seized and their illegal children born in the U.S. will have their citizenship corrected back to that of their parents. And then they can leave the country. Oh, and their requirement to take this class will uh, then be waived. This workshop will be taught in standard English. All materials will be presented in English. And your personal pronouns are I and me. Women will be referred to as she, men as he, and two or more people only as we, if you know them, and they, if you do not. Card-carrying members of the Democrat Party will be brought to the front of the class where they will be accused of racism for keeping black Americans on a plantation, extortion for creating wokeness, and will have to drink black rifle coffee, have a lunch from My Patriot Supply, and nap on my pillows. Shooting class in the afternoon will include all of the misnamed assault weapons, including the AR-15 and the AK-47, which you will call Freedom Rifles. And yes, this is a graduation requirement. All students will be required to recite these truths at the beginning of each hour. White lives matter. George Floyd was killed by a drug overdose. Affirmative action is racism. Diversity only exists with divergent opinions. There are only two sexes. Marriage is between a man and a woman. Marriage is not a right. It is a contract. Electric cars are terrible for the environment. We need carbon dioxide replacement in the atmosphere. So I want a V8 pickup truck. January 6th was a deep state coup. The 2020 election was stolen. American citizenship comes from an American parent not being born on U.S. dirt. Climate change is a hoax. Guns are essential to freedom. The COVID vaccine is not safe and effective. Government experts are morons. Government education is indoctrination. God is the source of your rights by birthright. And finally, we are all Americans, except for the illegals. So as the final lesson of the Action Radio Diversity Workshop, people will go to our barbecue, where they will watch on the big viewing screens Charlton Heston Biblical Epics and John Wayne Films. The Action Radio Diversity Workshop, your passport back to a sane, logical, and truly equal America, available every weekday at blogtarradio.com slash citizenaction. <laughs> did, did I get all my cliches right? Bianchi? That's Hello, something Bianchi? else, sir. That, that should make uh, the Grammys. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> you know, it, it takes me a while to write these. Actually, the hardest part is picking the music. So I get, I get the right music, I get my mood, and then I just start writing. I just play the theme over and over again. I just whatever comes to mind, I put down. And, and basically, that there was very little editing in that one. Uh, I just kind of wrote it all out, and uh, I made that oh, I think a couple of weekends ago. I want to do more of these because they're fun. <laughs> you know. Anyway, so we got about five minutes before uh, before Bianca joins us. So uh, let's talk flying again. Uh, this is. You know, you think this is critical, and, and I, I pray to God this doesn't happen. But uh, it's almost like they have to have, you know, some kind of a major accident before they'll do something about it. You know, and it's, and then they'll say, well, and then they'll probably blame something else. Who knows? Climate change. Um, but I'm just I'm worried about this. Have you noticed also too that um, as the air traffic control system developed, it really took an accident before the, the FAA made any major change. Remember that uh, there was a constellation and a DC six that collided over the Grand Canyon. This is back in the 50s. Do you remember about that? Do you hear, hear about that incident or that crash? When the uh, tourists sighted No, it was airlines. No, these yeah. are airlines. It was a, they were both four-engine propeller planes carrying about 80 to 100 people each. And so the Lockheed Constellation... No, I that, Okay. So the Lockheed Constellation used to have the three tails. It looked like a dolphin. It's one of the most beautiful airplanes ever built. Uh, and the DC-6 was, was Douglas's airliner before they, before they built jets. So the, the, but back in those days, they didn't really control it. Once they took off from the airport, they were on their own. They just flew. Well, apparently, they, they, uh, uh, they both picked the same altitude from you know, east to west and west to east, and they collided the Grand Canyon, and a couple hundred people died. I mean, it was a major accident. You can look it up. But that's what really started air traffic control. And they said, wait a minute, we got to start regulating the altitudes. we got to track these people in flight. And all these different things happen. And they really made some good improvements, but they should have thought about it ahead of time. Why would you let major airliners, you know, and they, and they weren't even going that fast. You know, these, those airliners may be 200, 250 uh, knots. You know, they might have done 250, 300 miles an hour, but not much more. They weren't, you know, they're like half the speed of, of today's jets. And they didn't fly as high. And a lot of times they weren't pressurized, so they were like 8,000 feet. Um, so that was interesting. DC-3s were not pressurized. But it, it took, you know, the, the study of air traffic control development is the study of what they did after accidents. You know, TCAS, the terminal control radar that they have, is a result of mid-airs close to airports. Uh, PSA, Pacific Southern or Pacific States Aviation, California airline only, uh, one landed on a, a crash into a 122 and a 727 went in. You probably remember that one. Yeah, that was this kind of thing, too. But, you know, America was known for its top-notch A1 aviation service. Mm -hmm. Very few accidents, very few incidents. But like you say, with these new uh, liberal policies that's coming along, that's putting all that in jeopardy and putting a lot of lives at risk. Well, and let's, let's add to the COVID jabs of the pilots. You know, there are 20% of the pilots who refuse the COVID jab. That's why they stopped doing it, because they found that they tried to, to ground them and say, well, you can't fly unless you have the COVID jab. And yet the pilots that did have the COVID jab were dying of a heart attack during flight. So they had two problems. One, they were losing pilots to COVID jabs. And two, the pilots refused the jabs. Weren't, they said they couldn't fly. So what they did was they stopped the mandate, and they let the, the non-COVID jabbed pilots, the, the, the safe and healthy pilots, they let them do the flying. So if I was an airline head, I wouldn't make a big deal of this, but I'd make sure that any, any pilot that had the jab flew with the pilot who didn't, just as a safety measure. That's how I do it, but, you know, they don't ask me. But it's not as safe as it used to be. This is why I want to fly myself. What do you think? 
So you might have a point. Uh, I have a member of the family that's getting ready to work in their way to start their own, uh, getting their own private, private license mm-hmm. uh, certification. And uh, you're starting to put thoughts in my mind now. Well, here's something, too. Now, now the, 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 here's the good news, okay? So the airlines, and this is what they did in the 50s, you know, the rise of, a, of the Beach Baron and the Cessna 310 uh, and the Piper, what's, what's their, their, their fast one? Seminole? No, there's a different one. Seneca, Piper. You know, the light twins. The light twins were actually faster than the airliners uh, in, the, in the 50s, the early 50s. And so a lot of people, and, the, and in those days, corporations could write off the cost of a business airplane. Uh, in fact, in those days, credit card interest was, was a deductible, too. And so it was very affordable for small companies to own airplanes. So a lot of people flew business. The, the business flying was huge. Now they, now they have fractional ownership, and, and they, they actually charter the jet, so it's a different thing. But there was – and I got Bianca on the line, so we'll get to, uh, to get to her in just a second here. Um, but they had all these different arrangements, and it was actually faster. If you consider the time on a short-haul flight, by the time you drive to the airport through the city – and especially nowadays, you go through security, you wait for the delays, you hop on the airplane, you go to the other end, you wait for the delays, you know, you get your luggage, you wait for the delays, and you go through city traffic. Point-to-point destination, you're faster getting your own plane, flying to a small airport outside the city, going directly to your destination, you know, and away you go. And some of these, these new airplanes, uh, these new, the ones coming out of Europe with the Rotax engines that use car gas, they use regular automotive fuel. They're 150 horsepower Rotax engines, but they're carbon fiber airplanes. So they're doing close to, you know, 200 knots. So for, for, for other folks, that's over 200 miles an hour. In an airplane that doesn't cost any more than like a Cessna 172 that does 100 knots or 120 miles an hour. So you got twice the airplane, half the weight. You know, you're going twice the speed or more. These things have a thousand mile range. You can fly over one third of the United States and never have to go to a major airport. That's where we're headed now, and I think it's really exciting. Bianchi? Give you the last word, then we'll, uh, we'll switch to our progressive report. Yeah. I have somebody else calling me. But, uh, yeah, oh, were you distracted? Way. I'm sorry. I like Am I keeping highways. you from a phone call? <laughs> no. Go ahead. I, yeah, you're right. That uh, They're coming up with some innovation now with these carbon fiber bodies. Mm-hmm. Uh, some models like the, some models even have a parachute, believe it or not. Well, no, but, a lot uh, of them do. The VL3. Look up the VL3. It's a Czech Republic airplane. Uh, it's half the weight or less than half the weight of a standard airplane. Uh, it's got a 150 horsepower engine, same as a standard aviation airplane. The gear is retractable, constant speed prop. It goes over twice as fast, and it, it has a longer range. And it costs about the same. That's where aviation's going. I'm really excited. We're going we're gonna to talk more about this because I want to I wanna follow up and, and see what's happening. All right. So let me put you on hold for a bit, and let's get to our progressive report, and I'll be right back with Bianca. Thank you, sir. And now a little West Coast sophistication for Action Radio. Where else can a progressive socialist trans actor, political activist, and candidate from San Francisco meet on the air with an anti-federalist, individual rights, free market citizen legislator in Florida. Agree or disagree? And we do. It's always fascinating. So join us now, please, for the Progressive Report with Bianca Von Krieg. Oh, I like that theme. I'm in the mood now. So, so give me some West Coast sophistication. How you doing? Yeah, I'm doing great, Greg. I'm doing good, Greg. Great to be back. Well, I know <laughs> I it's early for you. Uh, <laughs> well, it's early. It's uh, like 6 o'clock but for yeah, you. Yeah, we've got right, a lot so, of sophistication. Yeah. 
It's yeah, a little, yeah. yeah, it's a little earlier than my usual spot, but sorry, um, that's all we had. Uh, there's some good stuff here. Out. Hey, it happens. It happens. Yeah, you yeah. Know. Um, and we're still on the air past right, an hour, right, so I'm happy. This is uh, this is the longest we've been on the air this week. So you know, so far so good. On, on, well, on what we're calling sometimesradio.com. <laughs> you have to get up pretty early in the morning to shut us down. That's that's yeah. all I can say to the man. Well, they shut us down anytime they want. Um, it's kind of weird. Anyway, so what's uh, what's what's happening out there? What okay, got? we got some we got some good headlines today here. Uh, desperate despot Vladimir Zelensky cancels the presidential elections in the Ukraine. Mm. Uh, if the Oakland City Council makes a ceasefire resolution and no one cares, does it make a noise? San Francisco Mayor London breeds <laughs> brickiversary, and she's still a blockhead. Domestic violence lobby tries to cancel gun ownership in the Supreme Court. Uh, <clears throat> liberal media cancels transgender Nashville shooter Audrey Hale and his gender. <laughs> and uh, Bart bores on to Silicon Valley. And there's a, uh, the last story here, uh, backhoe burglary bumbled near in, the ga- in a local gas station. So all this and more today on the Progressive Report with Bianca Von Krieg. You've got seven stories in an, okay. in an hour. I'm just going to sit back and listen. I, I talked the whole first hour. So uh, I, I think probably the folks are going to want to hear about Audrey Hale and, and, and your take on that. But let's, uh, let's start at the beginning and just work our way through. So uh, you tell me about Zelensky. Yeah. Uh, what's going on with the dictator? Yeah, so this, and this is, this, is, this is not easy to find, by the way. It was, it was, um, it was hmm. kind of buried um, in a lot of the stories. So they're really trying to hide it. But apparently Mr. Zelensky feels, quote, unquote, this is not the time <laughs> To have an election is a little too convenient. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, it's not yeah. convenient of him. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute. So, not so he takes all the money. He oh, God. takes all the money, so, yep. buys those green shirts. Mm. Where have we heard this before? Yeah. It's not and, time for an election. It's not yeah. convenient. <laughs> it's like every dictator it's not does time that. for an election. I mean, you know, the, the thing is, is if he was doing good, like, you know, uh, he would have nothing to worry about. He wouldn't even need to campaign. Uh, but mm-hmm. the thing is, is that he, you know, he says, well, ca- you know, campaigning is where, probably where he's going to get shut down. A lot of the, obviously, it reflects that the uh, the electorate over there is not happy with his rule. I mean, it, uh, they didn't do that over here during World War One or World War Two, and um, FDR just floated by. So you know, bringing the, the war, I don't know. One of the longest served actually died in office in the middle of World, well, near the, towards the end of World War Two, and Harry Truman took over. But uh, he, yeah. FDR, presided through the Depression. You know, through uh, World War Two, I think he did a great job at World War Two. I think he did a terrible job in the Depression. Um, but uh, it's it's a very interesting uh, because he was very socialist, and so I'm like, you know, I, I oppose his economic policies, but that's okay. I think during the war, you know, he's a good war leader. But then the question is, did he? And we'll talk about this probably another time. Did he know about Pearl Harbor in advance and let mm-hmm. it happen? That's that's the big question with FDR. But uh, here's a question: Let's let's get the progressive view of this war in Ukraine. Um, because mm-hmm. every dictator seems to want to do this. Uh, it's not time for an election. Dictators never have elections. So is, is he worried yeah. that he's going to lose the war, uh, not lose, and then lose the ability to keep the war going? What is he worried about? You know, and are his benefactors in the U.S. that are money laundering and keeping the military-industrial CIA uh, banking you know, complex going with this ridiculous war? Um, are they worried that uh, if, if Zelensky's not there, the war might actually stop? Oh God forbid that happen, right? What's so so? so what y'all well, talking about? Well, I think about? you just answered your own question, Greg. 
I, I think okay. he's answer your own question. Um, yeah. You should also know, too, that he's also under additional scrutiny um, because he's trying to lead his country's way into, into EU ascension. And oh. one of the major uh, provisions of that application is to do what's known as de-oligarchification. What? You know, meaning to, is that a word? Know, rid your country of oligarchs. Yeah, well, oh. that's what they they use on your news. Um, <laughs> obviously, it's concatenation, but um, so you got to get rid of all those pesky oligarchs there that he's been um, fucking up to for God knows how many years. So uh, he's got a lot of problems right now. He's got a, a war that most people most people don't like war to begin with. Um, obviously, it's you know taking its toll. So uh, well, especially if you're a victim yeah, of guess, it, my guess or your is, family is. Yeah. If you ask the average Ukrainian, you know, do you want to engage in a war you can't win with Russia? Chances are they say no. You know, even if you said, well, what about national pride? What yeah. about our borders? What about no? I'm, you know, we're not going to take on Russia. We're not going to win. This is stupid. Hundreds of thousands of people will die for no reason, which is exactly what's happened. This is an American yeah. money laundering, military industrial complex, simple, central bank, you know, Fed, you know, Boeing, Northrop war. That's what this is. There's no reason for it. There never was a reason for it. Uh, it there's no reason. Well, Zelensky was put in. Wasn't he put in by Obama? Or who, was, who put him in? I know about uh, it. No, Obama uh, gave away the Crimea. Uh, but when did Zelensky come in? I, I don't know he wasn't, the timeline. It, it, it's bounced yeah. around a little bit between okay. um, Biden. But, you know, I'll, I'll say this. I'll say this for, for, your, for mm-hmm. your argument there. It, it, whatever's going on there certainly does not benefit the American public. You know, whatever the whatever the, the the United States is trying to do there, you know, this this whole idea that there's kind of a domino theory is just complete garbage. Um, well, it, it wasn't you know, true in Vietnam. That it wasn't stupid. true in a bunch of places. Well, here's the thing: though, given yeah, how the Democrats, true any of that stuff. It was, it, yeah. So, uh, so the Democrats being for working families. <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. To, uh, I'm interrupted. No, you shouldn't. The domino theory came from Eisenhower, and you know, right. Eisenhower was a good soldier, but you know. You don't let your dentist fix your car, right? Um, <laughs> exactly. Joking. You know, you don't take policy advice from a soldier just because they happen to win a war, you know. Um, no, he was really good. By the way, I, he, think he that, also... I, think, I think the Manhattan Project had more to do with that, with that than anything else. What, ending but, the war? Um, yeah. <clears throat> I, I still uh, yeah. was against bombing civilians with Nobody atomic weapons. Nobody wants to in the dark. No, I, I think we made a mistake. I, think, I don't. We could have ended the war differently. I don't think. I don't believe in unconditional surrender. I don't believe in using atomic weapons on civilians. I don't believe in bombing cities. I just don't. You know, if you want to, if you want to stop a nation from fighting, you know, sink the ships. You know, shoot down the airplanes and stop their supply ships. That's how you do it. You don't have to kill a bunch of people in cities. You stop their ability to fight. Yeah, I, I agree with you. you know, that, uh, that's you know. I, but, but, I agree with you. It was. Uh, thank you. And they were pretty mad after Pearl Harbor, apparently. So, Yeah, but Pearl um, Harbor, all right, anyhow, let's put Pearl Harbor in perspective. There's one ship, the Arizona, which I actually went to visit. You know, I brought my daughter there. We stood there, yeah. the oil still bubbling up. You know, we saw a lot of Japanese tourists there. It was really interesting. The, the, and, and Elvis Presley is the one that created the Arizona Memorial. I mean, I stood there over the Arizona. What it was doing there in that shallow water, mm. in that, that little bathtub of Pearl Harbor, I have no idea, unless they knew the attack was coming. It's the only thing I can figure. Um, but the, but even so, that that attack on Pearl Harbor compared to King Japan is so far out of scale 
uh, as to be incomprehensible to me. Let's, let's get back to Ukraine. And I want to ask you about the, the Democrat policy of you know, helping working families. How does the war in Ukraine live up to the Democrat ideals of helping working families? Obviously, this is a rhetorical question. It doesn't. It, it doesn't. Yeah. We, we've been trying to stop it many times. There's been, uh, there's been arrests in, in Bernie Sanders' office. That happened uh, a couple weeks ago, two or three weeks ago. I think I even reported it here. Um, <clears throat> we're, we're not happy about it at all. You, you know, America is really, really suffering. The idea mm-hmm. that there's only like, you know, single-digit inflation is, is condescending at best and you know insulting at worst it's, it's far you know a sandwich over here used to cost about eight or nine bucks now it's 13. don't give me that single digit inflation and then on top of that do they do their, their solution is just send more money to ukraine and ignore the problem over here and they're already getting ramped up again with the presidential election they're trying to you know make it about these ridiculous issues that don't cost the deep state anything like you know abortion um, they're already starting to, you know, the wheels on that with with um, with Ohio, and they're going to try and do it with the presidential election. They're going to lose badly again. <clears throat> so yeah, well, we, the, we're against that. We're against AD Israel, which is the next story item. But um, yeah, let's, let's, <clears throat> I want to talk about Ohio briefly yeah. because we talked about it a lot yesterday. So without going into an abortion debate, uh, the idea of putting abortion. Uh, as a right, voting for that into the Constitution of Ohio, which puts it above court cases, which puts it above statutory law, which really elevates this to something that's, and I'm, I'm not in favor of messing with constitutions. I just don't like doing it. Constitutions are for the sole purpose of limiting government. Rights limit government absolutely. They cannot touch something if it's a right. Uh, now, so what's that? So abort, but abortion affects, you know, three people, you know, mother, father, and baby. And so, like I said, without going too much into the debate, but just making it a right in the Constitution, what's, what's, what's your take on that? You know, I, I, I'm not going to engage, and here's why. Because okay. people can't afford to be distracted by these issues. The only issue that matters is money. They want you to be distracted. They want you to be angry about something else like naming schools or, uh, you know, drag shows or whatever the thing is. The thing is, you have to focus on the money. Everybody has to stay focused. Everything else is just noise. You know, me personally, I, I believe it's between a you know a, a person and their doctor. Um, okay. I I am not any kind of an expert on you know what what begins and when and what's biologically going on. But um, so uh, I I really believe it's important for us as an electorate to be focused on the desperate desperate economic problems we are facing right now because they are very very dire and if they don't fix it you know the stuff that we're talking about on this show and in uh, previous shows is going to get a lot worse. Um, <clears throat> no, that's fair enough. No, and, no, uh, listen, uh, you know, that's, yeah, yeah. That, 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 that makes a lot of sense as to, you know, first of all, not engage because there is so much else happening. Um, but it is a, it's part of the Democrat platform. So, you know, I had to ask. Um, let's go on to, to our yeah. next issue here if you want. Yeah. Okay. So the, if the Oakland City Council makes a ceasefire resolution and no one cares, does it make <laughs> what, a noise? What is the ceasefire okay, resolution? So, well, are we talking about in, in Gaza okay. and Israel? Fill me on the resolution. Yeah, that's the idea. That's a, oh. Well, that's, that's pretty much it. The ceasefire resolution, is, they're usually indefinite. And um, <clears throat> the thing is, you know, I, I've, been, you know, I've been involved with a lot of these Palestinian demonstrations, and they're great. But the thing is, is that I think their objectives are a little short-sighted. They're saying huh. that, you know, Congress needs to, you know, 
pass a resolution saying that we demand a ceasefire. Like, like Israel's going to give a damn. And certainly Israel's not going to give a damn with the city of Oakland things. Yeah, so, what, what, what did Oakland make know, foreign uh, policy? <laughs> it's kind of funny. Exactly, yeah, I and mean, that's what they're they're doing that all over right now. And the, 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 so, what happened the other day? I believe it was Tuesday night. A bunch of uh, pro-Palestinian um, protesters took over the city hall meeting um, in Oakland. Oh, and they're actually quite welcomed. They gave them extra time. They let them speak okay. in order and all that stuff. Huh. <clears throat> and everybody seemed to agree that that was the thing to do, but. You know, so what? You know, it's like even these little democratic clubs in San Francisco, like the gay club and the you know Asian clubs, they're passing these resolutions like, like you know, like look, guys, the model model UN ended in high school. Okay, just leave it there. I mean, these things <laughs> aren't yeah. going yeah. to mean they're not going to mean anything. You know, if, if what we need to do is is what actually I hate to give. Uh, Props to Johnson here, but it, you know I give credit where credit is due. Um, Speaker Mike Johnson, you know, split up the bundling of the packages. Yeah. You know, let the accountability, you know, flow through, and mm-hmm. and that's the thing, and that's why they're so desperate to have it bundled, and that's what I think is even more ridiculous. Is a little bit of a sidebar, but um, <clears throat> the only thing more grotesquely disrespectful. In, in our current economic state than just talking about, you know, sending money to these foreign wars, very matter-of-factly, is the idea that somehow bundling will afford you some sort of political cover. Like, you know, somebody, well, I didn't want to vote for it, but it was bundled with the other stuff, so there's nothing I could do. Like, you know. Yeah, so, you know, that's why they do it. just levels of idiocy. Yeah, that's yeah. why they do it, and it's like, like, you know, <laughs> I would still call them out on it anyway, but I think it's you know it's a good first step. But the, the, really, the most important thing is to cut off the money. Once they know the money's gone, they're going to change their tune real fast. So um, you know, again, it's it's these great the, the people are well intentioned, mm-hmm. but, but the the execution's a little off. It's, I think we talked about it in a couple of shows ago. You know, don't hold rallies you know at city hall on the weekend. <laughs> no one's there. Exactly. You know, yeah. and um, and by the same and then, and then they do these, uh, and then they do the same token. They do it downtown in the business district on the weekend. No one's there too. You're trying to reach people. You're trying to get people who are, you know, you know, worker drones just trotting on their way to work. Just make, get them to open their eyes for a few minutes and think about something. So, so yeah. what is protest trying so, to accomplish? <laughs> what, if, if they're if they're holding pro-Palestinian, pro pro Gaza rallies, what what, what are they trying to accomplish? What does protesting in Oakland do for that? Ultimately, they ultimately they want the ceasefire and they want the foreign uh, aid to come back in, and that's oh, okay. that's a great ideal. I so they want the money. Um, yeah. Telling telling Congress, you know, um, we demand a ceasefire resolution, not, which is completely you know worthless. It, has, it carries no real weight to it at all. Um, is is not going to get you anywhere. Uh, you know, Israel knows our feelings. Israel knows that uh, many of their own people don't even support what's going on over there. They don't care. It's just like over here too. Like, you know, I was the first person to sign um, the the pledge for term limits in the United States. I'm the only Democrat to do that. Still, mm-hmm. you know, that puts me in the same group as uh, Ted Cruz and Matt Gates. Are you sure but, you're progressive? You know, the right Sometimes thing to I do. Wonder. 
<laughs> you do very sensible. Yeah, things. I know. Yeah, just, I hear that a lot. Interesting. Um, <laughs> yeah, but sure. here's the thing: eighty percent, eighty percent of Americans want that. Yeah. And these guys know it, and they don't do it anyway. They know that the polls overwhelmingly show that nobody wants to send any more money to Ukraine. And they keep right. talking about it. They keep forcing well, it down our state. throats. It's the same that's thing with these wedge yeah. issues like abortion. Rather mm-hmm. than actually talk about the things that we need and address those issues, they're trying to get us excited about something else that we don't really care about that much. Yep. And then they're trying to win a contest on it, which is ridiculous. It's like, you know, it's like you and I are in a drag race or something like that, and then – like, well, let's make it about, you know, uh, who has the better colored socks instead of whose car is faster. It's like, yeah. it's ridiculous. Yeah, no, so, that makes um, a lot of sense. That, that's a great segue uh, to the, to oh, the yes, next topic, too. Oh, uh, segue away. Feel free. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I take these when I can. Um, so uh, San Francisco Mayor London Breeze Brick Anniversary. Um, that is a really stupid name. Her mom thought it would make her classy. Um, yeah, let's let's talk but, about uh, so, most people don't know who the mayor of San Francisco is. So, so her name is London Breed. How do you spell that so people know yeah. who we're talking about? Breed. Well, the first name is spelled like the yeah, like the city's name. Um, okay. And then Breed B B R E E D. Okay. And um, her one of her brothers actually signed my nomination papers. Oh, well, that's uh, interesting. Anyhow, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Much, much of the San Francisco, uh, much of the city supervisors signed my nomination papers. Um, they don't like Nancy so, Pelosi uh, either. <laughs> That's pretty cool. <laughs> a lot of people don't like Nancy Pelosi when there's a whole series of episodes on that alone. Um, so they're turning UN Plaza um, uh, into a into a playground in sorts, and they've already accomplished it, and they've put in like built-in ping pong tables. What? And uh, this is one across the city hall, right? City hall and the courts and all those buildings. Yeah. Opera house and all that stuff. So this is a huge park in San Francisco Mm. uh, that a lot of homeless live in. It's it's surrounded by big buildings and uh, it's it's a you know for a city that's how it's like a what three blocks or a couple like two square blocks or four square blocks. It's big. I don't know how how big it is. Two 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 and a half. Two blocks. Two square blocks. That's still a lot for a city. Yeah. For for right downtown. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So um, this this actually started about a year ago, and uh, what happened was the mayor and the board of supervisors, you know, took the public debate outside and held it at UN Plaza, and they were saying, okay, this is what we're thinking about doing, and everybody came there, and everybody was just really angry at all of them for it, it's one of these ridiculous ideas. They're they're not trying to solve the problem; they're just trying to put lipstick on a pig. And thinking if they just push away the problem a little bit more, push it more under the rug, it'll just go away. And it's you know, obviously um, the people who are pro sets um, weren't good. I wasn't holding any water with them, and uh, somebody threw a brick <laughs> at her. And uh, you know now it's it's been one year. The the plans all finished, and it, it should also be noted too that uh, University of California at San Francisco released a, a study on October 23rd. That said, homeless people are six times more likely to die suddenly, and they're still, you know, treating the, the problem you know, that you have idiots trying to handle a nuclear bomb right now. They're not fixing the problem. They keep pushing under the rug. They keep pushing, you know, hoping, you know, it's just like, you know, if you if, just because you go to Mel's doesn't mm-hmm. make it the 50s, 
Okay. <laughs> All right. Mel's, Mel's is a diner, you have folks. To start for those that haven't been to Mel's Diner, yeah, it's yeah. like out of Happy Days. Uh, it's it's nice. It's, it's great. They all dress in fifties costumes, play fifties rock and roll. I love Mel's Diner. Although burgers aren't that good. All right. Yeah. Um, but it's still a fun place to go. All right. So let's talk about San Francisco for a yeah. minute because San Francisco's biggest industry mm-hmm. is tourism. If San Francisco tourism, wants yeah. to make money, you know, clean up the city, you've got the most amazing assets. You've got hills that nobody else has. You've got cable cars. You've got Fisherman's Wharf. You know, you've got Union Square, where you still used to. You've got the entire Embarcadero. See, I was there um, before the earthquake, and I remember the Embarcadero Freeway, which was horrible. It was ugly. It, turned a, it cast a big shadow over this beautiful area. Now it's all it's streetcars. You've got streetcars that no one else in the world has. It's one of the lar- world's largest streetcar collections. You've got art museums. You've got uh, all these amazing – you've got neighborhoods. You know, you've got the Mission. You've got Chinatown. You've got North Beach. Even the Armenian section on the south of Mar- – you've got the whole south of Market. San Francisco is, is like seven by seven miles. You've got the beach. You've got the Golden Bridge. You've mm. got Sausalito across the bridge. You've got Berkeley. You know, it's one of the most amazing areas on the planet. How can it not be a successful area? And yet, with all the money they spend and all the homeless they attract and all the illegals that are coming in, uh, it's ruined one of the great cities. But you can have it all back. You just have to change things. Just go back to what they used to do. Yeah. And, and, and everything about San Francisco can come back. You know, you can't miss if you do it right. That's the thing. And they don't want to do it. And they're basically throwing a tantrum, you know, wow. in, 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 in that, that they do these playground things for adults. And it's, just, it's not going to solve the problem. It's not going to fix it. It's just going to, you know, give a, not even the, the you know, faintest of illusions that it's solved. So um, you know, hmm. I think Airbnb should rent vacation space in this, in this idiot woman's mind so that, you know. Airbnb started take, in San Francisco because the hotels were too expensive. It lit, Airbnb literally started with an air mattress. That's what I called Airbnb. It literally was yeah. an air mattress in a room. That's how they started. Now they're, they're worldwide. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Uh, Uber started uh, and Lyft started in San Francisco. San Francisco is a very innovative place. Silicon Valley is just south of San Francisco. Yeah. You know, it's almost like it's, it's, it's a potential. city. Yeah, how do you miss? Great idea. Look at the music that came out of San Francisco. The art, the music, the culture, yeah. the food. How do you miss? Nobody, nobody writes songs about Salt Lake City, you know. <laughs> Put it out there. I left my heart in Salt Lake City. You, know, yeah, no, you got Tony no, Bennett, um, yeah, Voyager, Huey Lewis yeah. in the news. Uh, yeah, he's Marin County. Uh, Starship, too. Oh, yeah. Um, the, whole, the whole 60s, yeah. Oh. You know, it, so uh, a lot of great music came out. See, I love San Francisco. When I got I got there in the '80s, my first weekend, mm-hmm. I saw Jerry Garcia playing in his band in, with Golden, in Golden Gate Park. You know, I fully immersed myself in the culture. I lived across from the Haight Ashbury. I knew all the used clothing people. You know, they were great. I mean, I, I the hippies. We all knew each other. I mean, we're we're buds. And it was the most amazing place. Mm-hmm. And I watched it decline. And it's like this is so sad. You, you know, San, San Francisco needs a renaissance. You need like a renaissance project. Uh, Detroit has tried to do that. You know, I even have our own action radio renaissance for Milton. But you, I don't know, uh, you probably be the best person to, to help organize this. But just come up with a San Francisco renaissance project. Fix that city because there's no reason it can't be one of the greatest cities, you know, in the world. We're trying Easily. to. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm kind of doing the biggest project possible. I'm running for Congress. Well, that, that's, know, that's a good start. I've, I've, yeah. uh, I supported a lot of major issues, like uh, mm-hmm. you know, trying to fight their ridiculous street sweeps to force them to actually solve the problem, rather than keep pushing it away. 
um, you know, to, me, to put it more in terms you might like, it's like adding more to the debt. <laughs> the national <laughs> in terms debt. I might like, um, that's funny. Uh, when you want to start yeah, talking about issues, I, I know you're an anti-debt guy. Well, I am. No, actually, we have a constitutional amendment yeah. to uh, stop Congress borrowing money. <laughs> you said that's a non-starter, so uh, that's worth talking about at some point. Let's. Um, we've got about thirty-three that's minutes before. That's the next thing. Yeah, let's talk about Audrey Hale. So what's uh, what's going on there? Oh, no, no. Oh, gun ownership. We, uh, we no, forgot ownership. the uh, domestic violence. Yeah. So apparently, okay. you know, Which this one? is this is another thing. Uh, well, uh, apparently, the um, there is a domestic violence case that has reached its way to the Supreme Court, and what happened okay. is. Oh. This right. individual had a restraining order against him, a domestic violence restraining order, and they're pretty easy to get. Mm-hmm. And one of the basic provisions of these things, it's almost automatic. Sometimes you check a box, sometimes you don't. Um, mm-hmm. It says, you know, once the order is granted, that person uh, cannot own a gun while the order is in effect. And these orders can last anywhere from a few months to a few years. Um, <clears throat> obviously, it's unconstitutional. Um, but you know, this is what I call this is what I call an example of legislative intimidation. This is when you know leg- legislative bodies knowingly pass an illegal law, hoping that they can use the you know the threats of steep penalties and economic inertia to keep it from higher courts, keep it from being challenged. So basically, you know, they know this problem is going to basically affect poor people. Poor people can't afford attorneys. Um, poor people aren't that well educated in the law, so you know they tend to get away with these things. Well, mm-hmm. not this time for this particular individual. And somehow I, I haven't looked into it that deeply. I'd like to find that out. But somehow I managed to find you know legal representation to get this all the way to the Supreme Court, and it's being um, <clears throat> taken up you know as of the other day. Uh, I don't know when they'll have a decision on that. And, no, probably months from now. I actually listened to the uh, the oral arguments. Well, I'll, I did I did sections of it. So if you go to the Action Radio um, Gun Group, uh, that's where I have post the uh, the actual mm-hmm. Supreme Court audio, or just go directly to the Supreme Court uh, audio page, and you can listen to the oral arguments. Um, the the government person that kept talking about uh, historic, you know, and others, this ridiculous bill of the Supreme Court that gun laws have to have historically be rooted in our founding, and all gun laws have to be is what it says on the paper. You know, so the Second Amendment is kind of interesting. I'm, I'm really interested in your take on this because it's uh, it's different than than a person would have expected. You know, you think of Democrats and progressives as like just gun grabbers. That's what that's what conservatives think. That you're out to grab the guns no matter what. But the fact that you recognize, and this is this is key to it, that this is unconstitutional. Mm-hmm. That you do not lose your rights in a civil action. In fact, you do not lose your rights ever unless you've had full due process and you're incarcerated. Mm-hmm. So the idea that you can ever take someone's guns away, and I've got a couple of things that I wrote on it. Uh, Jamonico, who does our gun report, you know, on, on Saturdays, he's a former cop, runs the Women's Firearm Academy now in Montana, uh, and he had a lot to say on that too. So you might find that discussion interesting. But let's talk about it being uh, about constitutional uh-huh. rights. How do you override constitutional uh-huh. rights with a, with a civil action? Of course, I, this is a rhetorical question again. But uh, that's, that's yeah, the no, that's, that's, that is a great question. It's, yeah. That's the thing. It's completely illegal. But the mm-hmm. thing is, they know they did this knowingly because the people who, are, let's face it, are, you know, not in the upper echelon of the socioeconomic scale, are are the ones who are being, uh, you know, uh, being dealt with by these by these kinds of laws. And mm-hmm. because the penalties are so stiff for violating them, and usually they just get a, you know, if 
if there's nothing serious that went that happened, the, the penalties are relatively mild. But if you challenge them and you lose, then you're looking at some very serious time in jail. And so that's how they do it. That's how they keep mm-hmm. these things out of the court, and that's how they kind of, you know, disarm people and keep them in power. Now, you know, I've heard both sides of these arguments, and I have to say, you know, you know, I feel sorry for for the victims, um, but this this is not going to solve the problem. I mean, one. If somebody is so out of their mind that they that they intend to take somebody else's life, a piece of paper isn't going to stop it. Okay. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> Agreed. And then so, you arrest them. Uh, so and, if they threaten them, if they commit an yeah. assault or or, or, or uh, intent to you know do great great bodily harm, that's a felony. Well, John's on on uh, he'll be typing in things on live chat. Um, but here's what I, here's the way I see it. I mean, the yeah, so if somebody kicks in your door, you know, try, with a gun and saying, "Okay, I'm going to kill you today." And they say, wait, you can't do that because I have a I have a restraining order. order. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, mean, and, he, you know, and it could be a yeah, false restraining like, order, too. Yeah. That's why. But, you know? <laughs> yeah, but um, here's the thing, though. A restraining order so, keeps somebody, what, 200, 300 yards away from you? In other words, they can't come within a certain it, distance, It varies right? anywhere from... And it can be anywhere from a few feet to 500 yards, something like that. Um, well, let's say, and they, let's, they do let's all say, kinds of uh, hinky things, like you can't email their friends. You know, the, we're seeing this right now with President Trump, too. You know, a oh. lot of overreach on on behalf of the judges, saying you can't talk about the case out of court. If he wants to well, run his mouth and yeah. you know undermine his case, that's his business. Um, you can't talk about the court personnel, like. You know, what are they doing? Did you hear a speech and, last uh, night? He did all that. He, he violated every gag order, but the court's uh, gag orders are unconstitutional, and the Supreme Court has said, you know, the, the government cannot issue unconstitutional orders or pass unconstitutional laws, and if they do... You I'm glad he did, because yeah. this, is, this is the blue lining. This is the silver lining. I'm speaking to progressives now. This is right. the silver lining that is Donald Trump for us, because now Republicans are seeing firsthand that defunding the police is not just our issue. It's everybody's issue you know it's it's the police the police state the court state you know overreaching taking power where they don't have authority to and and hoping they can get away with it like with this you know domestic violence thing um and you know yeah, you feel like uh, part to domestic yeah. saying you, you can't like, talk uh, to people right. too right yeah no that's the no, other thing uh, domestic violence orders can also impose impose gag orders on you saying that you mm-hmm. can't talk to their friends or something like that and, um, you know, and I also take issue with that. So well, the, the bottom line is, is the kind that of things constitutional, they really need to fix the problem. Yeah, constitutional rights supersede these, these domestic orders. Now, here's what's interesting, though. So if you restrain somebody uh, for a certain distance, let's just say 250 yards. So if you do that, then why are you taking guns? You're already restricted to 250 yards. And as you say, you know, if they're going to violate it, they're going to violate it with their, you know, they're going to just being there to violate, violate the it order. Anyway, like, yeah. Right. So whether they have guns or not, it's, they it's can violate for, the order. Right. So why do you take the guns? So really it's meant for more like kind of casual, like kind of what we would call microaggressions, you know, which really, you know, which a gun really doesn't play any part of. So, well, it's an attempt um, to separate people. Yeah. See, but, the, but the, see, I don't have a problem with that because you're separating people that obviously have a conflict. So in that way, you're preventing something. But as long as you don't take other rights away, yeah. If you oh, have yeah. to, you know, not maintain. If you have to, you know, break contact with somebody while you're in a dispute or a divorce or or a domestic action, I don't have a problem with that because to me that's due process. But to take someone's gun rights or their speech rights or their travel rights or anything else yeah. like that, all you have to do is stay away from that other person. It's a very limited action. I don't have a problem with that. But the thing is, if you're, if you're, if you're keeping someone 200 yards away from someone else, why are you take their guns? You've already kept them 200 yards away. 
So, so you know, and what if they need guns to defend themselves yeah. from a home invasion? So someone has a restraining order. Someone invades their house and they're shot and killed. Now yeah. what do you do? Because you took their guns away. And the other thing now, is the, these things are incredibly one-sided too. Mm-hmm. Um, so the, the, the petitioner, it's usually a woman, can, yep. can, can violate it. She can call the person anytime, and it doesn't. And, it, and there used to be a precedent that said if, if they did that, then it kind of negated the order. They took care mm-hmm. of that, so now they can call as many times as they want. They can harass you, and there's really mm-hmm. not not anything you can do. And there's actually been cases where the where the where the quote unquote victim has purchased a gun and killed, you know, the uh, <laughs> the person who the restraining orders are against. So um, they don't want. Oh yeah, to yeah. You can use it to kill it someone. Undermines yeah. the whole thing. Yeah. Well, this is why I don't so like restraining it's, orders it's, uh, like that. It's are... just yeah. But you can't take away rights when you do it. John says something here. He says been happening with federal marijuana arrests where they are arrested with a firearm either in their possession uh, at the time or as a result of a search warrant. They charge the drug possession yeah, and add the an firearm. Yeah, this what he says. He says they, they he's, yeah. he's a cop. He knows, he knows this stuff. He says they charge the drug possession and add the firearm enhancement, drop the drug, drug charge, and then let the plea, then uh, let them plead to the gun charge with a loss uh, right to possess firearms. Yeah, all this is about taking away guns. So the whole purpose of this, this uh, yeah, these restraining orders and these, uh, and these is to take away guns. And these are not small, by the way. There's a lot right. of mandatory minimums. They're, they're mm-hmm. very steep. And you know, just even carrying a gun into the wrong place innocently. I think there was a there was a case recently about a congressman or something like that who uh, forgot to unpack his gun. Oh, it happens he went all the time. Airport. Yeah, it happens pretty regularly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, government agents, <laughs> and, Michael Byrd, the uh, one he got that got in a lot uh, of trouble. The, the Michael Byrd, the officer that shot Ashley Babbitt, left his gun in a, in a bathroom at an airport one time. You know, and and people have got there are businessmen and, and different people that get searched at the airport when they go through normal security, and the, the 357 Magnum is in their their briefcase. Oh, geez, I forgot that was there. Oh, really? <laughs> so what, what this really comes to is the the biggest fear that gun uh, gun people who Taking carry I gun. carry gun I carry gun a whole lot. Okay, my fear is not the criminal. I can I can handle a criminal. All right, you know, if there's a mass shooter, I'm going to do everything I can to save everybody's life. Don't have a problem with that. What bothers me. Well, that would bother me too. But what bothers me is the fact that um, that if I break some minor infraction or carry the gun in the wrong place by accident or, or do some do something, you know, walk into a store that said you know no firearms and it's a tiny little sign and I missed it, you know, and then I get arrested for trespassing. You lose your right to carry guns for stupid reasons. So restraining order is losing. Yeah. So so, so what they're doing is they're they're violating our Think second amendment no rights. Think of no fly laws too. Yeah. Well, no fly is a whole other they're, issue they're too. They're also yeah. illegal. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. You can't arrest people. And then you're trying to say no. And then, and then what they're also trying to do, they've been talking about this for years, is no fly, no buy. So What's that? That's like saying that. at the department store. Yeah, so they're saying if you're on the no fly list, which is a completely it's a private thing, you right. know, it's, it's, it's between airline companies, and they have no legal authority whatsoever. If you're on their no fly list, then you shouldn't be able to buy a gun. <laughs> that's like saying if you get banned from a bar, you know, <laughs> that you're not allowed to buy a gun. <laughs> but, uh, so so like you drive drunk you once, the, right? Uh, have they linked drunk driving to gun ownership yet? I mean, that's next. 
But the point is, or how about uh, child support? That, that, you know, they, they, they suspend driver's licenses if you don't pay child support. So all these different things are linked. The point is that the government cannot touch your constitutional rights. You cannot be arrested for what you haven't done. You, you, know, you have to commit a crime before you can be charged with something. That's how free society works. Now, is that to benefit the criminal? No, it's to benefit all the honest people. Because if you can prior restrain, yeah. you know, you're going to do far more damage prior restraining the honest people than you are going to catch criminals. That's just that's just the law of, of averages. Let's talk about Audrey Hale. I want to get that in before we get in. We've got a couple more stories after that. Yeah, that that's, that is a great segment. Um, this is a great segment. Uh, so mm-hmm. uh, the liberal media apparently will cancel your transitioning privilege if uh, mm-hmm. if you do something that, that displeases them, like uh, shoot up a school. So uh, Audrey Hale, who was previously referred to uh, by their requested pronouns of he, him, I, uh, I don't mean any disrespect to this person. I, I couldn't find their male name, um, so I'm using her. That's okay. No, no, we know who you're talking about. That, so they, 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 also, yeah. they also call it a dead name. But, um, so oh, that's interesting. And I've seen I've this over here, over here, too, um, in San Francisco. A what? What's a dead name? What's a oh, dead yeah, name? Yeah, dead name is the name you no longer go by. So it's like, you know, if you change your name from Mark to Karen, you know, and somebody calls you Mark, it's, it's a very... Um, Serious transgression. It's called dead naming. It's the equivalent of like using an N word with black people. Wow. Um, so I had uh, no idea. Yeah. That's interesting. And, okay. Yeah. And uh, so you know, I don't I've call seen, me honky. I've seen this happen over here too. Honky like, or a cracker. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Um, so uh, I've seen this happen over here too. With you know, with with transgenders, even just like step out of line, just you know. Even even nominally, uh, it's like all of a sudden they get dead named and they you know they start calling them by their you know. Oh, you have to show your allegiance to the trans agenda. If you don't, it's it's like liberals. If you don't show enough liberalism, they go after you. Conservatives. If you're not conservative enough, if you're not Christian enough, if you're not anything enough, whatever the group is, they go after you. You got to prove your loyalty. So so you know if you're not trans enough for the the radical trans agenda, they will go after you. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it, we, we saw a similar kind of outrage um, back in 2015 when, when Caitlyn Jenner transitioned. There was a lot of transgender outrage against her because it was more like, she, you know, she's a privileged trans and she's being um, privileged you know, trans. I've never heard that you know, expression. That's interesting. A privileged transgender. And that's true. And uh, so they're, they're being showcased as the media as like this is the typical in transgender. And that really it's not the case, because at that time, you know, as particularly if you're an older transgender person, you know, in order to transition effectively, it requires, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars in, in um, costly surgery, which Jenner could afford and that others couldn't. And so they, they took that anger out on Jenner, um, which I thought was, was, was wrong, when really they were ultimately mad at the, at the system, at the media, at the press, um, for you know, picking Jenner as kind of their anointed sacrificial lamb, and not really you know exploring what it means to be you know what it means to be trans for other people and you know showcasing their pain. So right. um, you know, that, I think that's what the same thing happens with um, with this per, with this with this shooter person and their transgender issue. And uh, I also looked over the um, the quote unquote manifesto. And, mm-hmm. you know, this is obviously, you know, somebody who is very, 
angry at the world and, and disappointed. And um, it was obvious that they wanted to take out um, their aggressions more on the parents, on society, than on these kind of innocent kids. Um, I think that the, I think what happened was is that the kids were just kind of like, you know, they were there. They were the front line. And because um, <clears throat> if, if you look at, uh, if, you, if you read what she said, she said, you know, I'm going to ruin your whole little world and everything. These kids didn't do anything. Didn't do well, anything. killing the so, kids um, affects the parents <clears throat> for the rest of their lives. So in other words, they take away what the, what the parents that's, love yeah, most. Yeah, that's what I mean. That's what that's, that's, what that's so, about. Um, you know, the kids, you know. But uh, Audrey went to this school. I well, thought let, it would be more the, effective for her to just wait till the end of school and kill, it, <laughs> kill parents and leave the kids alone. <laughs> You're um, bad. <laughs> well, let me ask you how much the, yeah. the, the trans aspect affects this because I think it's mostly the drug problem. And I, I've long felt, and I've done shows on this for years, that if you take kids, especially boys, and you start them on the ADHD, the Ritalins, the Adderalls, and then you go to um, the, the, the antidepressants, the Lovox, uh, what's that? What's that? The, I keep forgetting the one everybody took um, way back when. Anyway, Axel. so the, what's it called? Yeah. Yeah. Axel, I want to say. Yeah, there's, there's yeah. something that starts with a P, and I forget what it's called. Anyway, but the Columbine uh, murderers were, were taking all kinds of antidepressants. And then you, you, you take people who are way too young for this because they're not adults yet. You give them puberty blockers and things like that. You, and then you combine them, and then you throw in vaccines. I mean, let's throw everything in, right? So you have the, the, we have kids that are mm-hmm. medicated from practically birth, and then you wonder what happens. See, I think this is a real problem. I think the real problem is the drug problem. I think it's big pharma. Uh, but how does the how does the the aspect of being trans affect this? Because I've seen crazy people of whatever description or whatever they call themselves, you know, neo Nazis, you know, murder I mean, the the Aryan Brotherhood that killed the the talk show host, the Jewish talk show host, uh, talk show host uh, in mm. Denver way back when. You know, so this is not unique to trans. But I wanted you to I want to ask you about this. You know, the, the trans aspect, because people are calling Audrey the trans yeah. murderer. And I'm saying trans is not the root of this. This person is angry. This person is psychologically yeah. disturbed. This is someone who probably should never should have transed anyway yeah, just they're, because they're, they're so mentally unstable. Tell me, tell me what you think because I'm really curious. Well, the, the typical – when somebody transitions or is transitioning or even after they transitioned, you know, it's a foregone conclusion that they, they've had or are currently, um, in many cases currently, suffering um, from a number of issues. Okay, um, mm-hmm. and, and in many cases, it's even the last resort, right? It's like, okay, okay. I'm going to transition, and maybe, you know, I'll find some peace in my life. And it looks like um, this person wasn't able to do that. And uh, so, so is, is there a requirement before, for, yeah, before transiting, I guess that's the word, to, a lot to of, have a lot your issues settled? Take their own lives. It's, okay. Uh, a lot of people, trans people, take their own lives. It's, um, Why is that? And uh, it's actually kind of a, a well. It's because um, it's things like sanctuary cities, and, okay. and kind of these hollow promises that the left makes to them, saying that you'll be pr- protected and loved and all this other stuff, and that's just not there. Um, and that and that's just, that's the kind of thing with uh, you know with Jenner. Um, it's like yeah, you know if it. You'll, you'll get all that if you're pretty enough or if you're attractive enough or if you're young enough. But if you're old already have and, the fame. You, know, you can't get what you need, 
Yeah. You know, then sorry, better luck next time, sport. And, you know, you're not going to get protected. You're not going to get a job. You're not going to get an apartment. And so a lot of them end up, you know, taking their own lives. You know, a lot of them, <clears throat> you know, seek acceptance in, in this. And um, they don't get it. And, you know, they take their own lives. I've had that happen to, to a couple of my friends. Wow. Um, <clears throat> yeah. So it's. It's very real. I'm actually writing uh, a letter to people about it right now. Um, I think that's, I don't think one causes the other, but, uh, <clears throat> you know, uh, if you look at the letter, she, you know, she mentions like, you know, like, you know, faggoty this and faggoty that. And yeah. uh, you might, you know, one, uh, a, a therapist might observe a little bit of cognitive dissonance there. Like, uh, well, you know, you're LGBT yourself, and yeah. But, yeah, it's like uh, a white person calling a black yeah, person I, a honky. It's it's kind of stupid, <laughs> you know. Yeah. Or 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 a white person calling another is, white person a honky. You know, it's like, what are, what are you talking about? Well, it's like I think you said it. You said it yourself. You know, pretty well the other day or a few episodes back. Um, you know, Democrats tend to project a lot of their own shortcomings on the yeah. people that they're you know attacking. And, you know, I think this this might be a, a fairly good example of that. Um, oh, God, there was something I wanted to say about that. Uh, but, oh, yeah, um, uh, there was a woman named Leela Alcorn. Uh, uh-huh. She made, she's a famous uh, trans, transgender person who killed herself. She was uh, a preteen. Uh, I think she was about 14 or something. No, not a preteen, but a teen. And her parents were vehemently against it, and that's why she uh, she killed herself. She tried to go part time, and her parents caught What's her part-time? and told her she couldn't do it. Uh, part time is dressing the part. Or, like, or... You, know, you, go, you change you change at school, you know, and all that stuff. You know, you okay. You um, you you present differently at school than you you change before your parents pick you up. And a lot of this stuff might sound pretty familiar now. Um, and that's reason. Yeah. And people like Leela are the reason why that, that there's a lot of these protective measures in school. And I, I've spoken about this before too. Um, the suicide stats are real, and so the schools are afraid of the suicide stats. So they say, "Well, let's do what the kids need to make them feel safe." Um, uh, yeah, the they're thing extremists is when about they do. Leela kind of hit parents. home for me too. Yeah. Well, the reason why Leela hit home for me is that she contacted me through some back channels and. Uh, at first, I thought she's what's known as a kind of a tranny chaser. Was known as somebody uh, who just likes to have a fetish for being sexually, you know, involved with another trans person, or um, you know, getting some sort of a thrill of talking to a, a trans hmm. person about trans things. It's usually a straight man who does that, and um, <clears throat> unfortunately. Um, I dismissed this person as one of those, and that was shortly before they killed herself. Wow! And I, it's it's haunted me ever still. I kept thinking, you know, maybe God, if I only just you know responded back to her. Um, but you know, I we all make mistakes. Pretty strongly about this, it's, it's, uh, yeah. because um, you know, you, you know, it's like she was kind of a victim in in all of this, and and even her parents kind of were too. You know, in that, you know, she's in Ohio, right? She's, I think it's just outside of Columbus, Ohio. Very conservative, you know, kind of blue-collarish area. And 
it's like, you know, this kind of like transgender wave is kind of permeating mm-hmm. through our culture and, you know, making promises that it can't fulfill to people like Leela, you know, just like things like with sanctuary cities, making promises that they can't fulfill, but they don't care because they don't have to deal with the consequences. They don't care that this person, you know, would be doing this all alone and her parents would be fighting her every step of the way. And then, you know, when you live, when you're, when you're, when you're a teenager, your parents dictate your life. You know, they tell you where you live, oh, yeah. where you sleep, how much money, your money, everything. So <clears throat> maybe, you know, I, I, I feel that they've been pretty irresponsible in, in the way that they've, they've kind of forced their will in order to enjoy a network externality from larger numbers. It's like, you know, as long as our group grows and as long as we get more political power, who cares what happens? You know, fine, you know, Leela's a casualty. She's collateral damage. Well, no, she's a person and she's gone. And she's a very very young person. Um, So that was a bit of a... of a tangent there on the, um, that's a, that was important that, uh, because, well, this is why yeah. it's such a huge advantage to have you on the show because, you know, it's easy to talk about the trans people, but to actually talk to a trans person is a different experience. And so for conservatives and, and folks that listen to the show, especially worldwide where they, they're not as tolerant as the United States. Uh, I mean, like I say, we're, we have listeners in Saudi Arabia now. They came back. Uh, we've got Vietnam, we've got Cuba, we've got, uh, but especially, you know, the Middle East countries, the Muslim countries, that are far more restrictive. I mean, you know, the, the homosexual being thrown off the roof is, is a real thing. Okay. And yet they're listening to the show. Yeah. And so, so this is quite fascinating. So, so the service that you provide is, is being able to show, you know, to me, someone who was the right candidate, who did the right thing for yourself, you know, who is a, a successful trans person who is mentally, this was good. This worked out. This is what, I, this is who I want to be. This is who I am. I don't have a problem with that. Not with none whatsoever. And you and I both agree, that, and just to, just to state for the record for, for maybe new listeners, that I don't think this is a, a civil rights uh, issue in terms of special privileges or things like that, uh, or a group right, but this is something that an individual adult can choose to do, and I, I certainly would not stop it, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't pay for it either. To me, it's elective. It's an elective procedure. And so uh, that's how I come down on it, and we may disagree on that. But as someone who is successful yeah. in what you've done, that's why you're here. To show people that uh, that this is not as simple as you think. It's not a black and white issue. That there are people yeah. that are really that are yeah. really seriously uh, uh, in a mental transition, if not a physical and, one. The question is, where do we draw the line? Where where are the people that can be successfully and helped? And can any, can any people who are listening who are mm-hmm. thinking about transitioning, you know, um, maybe I don't speak for all trans people, but I got to tell you, you know, um, you're going to do it alone, no matter what they tell you. You'll do it alone, and um, and it's and it's going to be tough. So I'm, I don't want to tell people don't transition. I just want them to you know have to have informed consent. Mm-hmm. Um, like years, you know, worth, like a couple of years be, of of work before you do it, right? This, yeah, that's how that's how you do it, right? And those protections that they say that are there, like you know, like you know, for rent and 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 jobs and things, that's all full. Um, okay. I mean, there's protections there. You know, if you can prove the case, and well, and discrimination if you can find is discrimination. Lawyer, you do it with, uh, 
you know, yeah. and then I, I, I know cases where uh, I went to Hispanic landlords and I know they only rented to Hispanics <laughs> in the Bay Area. You know, yeah. that, is that discrimination? Absolutely. Am I going to make a big deal? No, because there's plenty of places yeah. to rent. At least there was then. But it happens. Discrimination happens all the time. The question is, what do we do about it? Uh, and, and where is a civil right? You know, where is there a violation? Like if it's a commercial enterprise, that's different. So if you, if you weren't allowed to go into a restaurant, let's, let's make it like segregation in the South. So if you weren't allowed to go to a restaurant because you were trans, mm-hmm. that would be wrong. Um, but if you want to be guaranteed a job under an affirmative action thing, I think that's wrong too. So I think my position is pretty clear. Um, but, uh, you know, and, and, so, and people are free to disagree. Everybody does on my show, even my long-term reporters, you know, so that's not a thing. Um, we've got about five minutes left before CJ gets here and we go to wellness. Do you want to cover... Uh, I think we've yeah. done very well with this issue. I think a lot of people, you know, uh, are going to learn some things. We've got two more you've got here, it looks like. Yeah, a, cu- a couple of more lighter ones here. Um, sure. Bart is boring on to Silicon Valley. Despite record low ridership, um, the VTA <laughs> just recently purchased a $75 million tunnel digger to uh, dig the re- you know, remaining um, – from, I think it's from uh, Berryessa, which is in San Jose. They want to take it over to Sunnyvale, which is all Silicon Valley. The interesting part here is that the VTA did this, not BART or Caltrans, which maintains the bridges and roads in California and things like that. We, sh- we should explain but that. why so the VTA Caltrans... is picking up? Yeah. So, so, say that again? <laughs> no, go ahead. Well, all right. Caltrans uh, is uh, California so Caltra- Transit. That's like the state uh, highway infrastructure agency. BART is Bay Area Rapid Transit. And what was the third one you mentioned? BTS? The VTA, which is the county one for Santa Clara. Okay, all right. Yeah. See, speaking of a lighter note. That's county transportation. BART missed their chance. If they called it the Frisco Area Rapid Transit, we could have been joking about that for years. (laughs) (laughs) That was a a, a, a Frisco Area Rapid Comedy writers everywhere. Exactly, yeah. But um, but go ahead. it's, so it's, it's Silicon Valley because it's like it's yeah and and the thing is for, for for people BART is like the transportation district and you have to have a transportation district because these things run through you know many municipalities and things oh, like yeah, that oh yeah several counties for people on the all over the Coast, bay area like the park. runs under the bay yeah. folks this it's thing like, runs under the under San, the bay under the San bay, bay all all across the yep. bay mm-hmm. um so um for people in New York it's like the port authority um think think of it that way right um, but the interesting thing is, is that the VTA picked up this cause. So <laughs> rather cause? than just leaving it to the... Uh, leave, why is it a it cause? The yeah, the VTA picked up the cause. They oh, picked the up cost. 75 million. They purchased a $75 million tunnel digger, and it's on what? its way over. It's going to uh, dig some more BART tunnels. And this is kind oh, of geez. like remodeling your neighbor's house so your property values you know, don't go down. Uh, that's the best. Well, Bart brings in money. In, in... Bart brings in money. So, 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 for those who don't, the Bart system is huge. It goes way out. If you look at a map of the Bay Area, you look at uh, Contra Costa County, Alameda County. I think it goes out to Livermore, where the lab is, the the national lab. It goes up yeah. to I think Pittsburgh, or maybe even further now, up in the East Bay. Uh, it no, doesn't go across to Marin yet because the rich people don't want it. Uh, and you've got the Golden Gate Bridge. Uh, but it goes to San Jose. It goes down the East Bay to San Jose, and it goes down the other side, uh, I think, as far as San Jose also. Silicon Valley is about 45 minutes by uh, driving south of San Francisco. It's actually it's sort of San Jose. So where are they going to they're going to extend the, the line that runs down the peninsula all the way up to Silicon Valley? No, they have buses yeah, no, 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 no. Um, so you kind of got a little bit, a little bit off. On, okay. Um, it runs Correct me. from... 
it, it kind of runs. It's it's C shaped. Um, it's a it's a C. Okay. <laughs> that's the best way to put it. So it goes as far south of San Francisco as the airport, and then it go and then along the other side of the bay, um, it goes as uh, as far south as San Jose. So they want to take it further west. Ideally, they want to connect it so that it's just like one ring around the Bay Area. But um, but they they want to take it to like I think Sunnyvale now, um, which is the next area, which is the next kind of major tech hub in Silicon Valley. Um, by the way, Silicon Valley is composed of like two or three counties, um, Santa Clara, uh, Alameda with Fremont, and I think maybe parts of San Mateo, uh, but it's mostly in Santa Clara County. And that's the agency that's doing this as opposed to just letting BART do it. Um, so it was just kind of funny. Uh, and uh, And speaking of funny, there was a Botched backhoe burglary in, uh, <laughs> up here. There was a who writes your material? Great. You I write all in the headlines. show on a funny note, <laughs> and um, I do. I write my own copy. Um, oh, good. Yeah, so uh, apparently, uh, uh, these guys wanted to rob a gas station, but rather than use guns, they parked in a backhoe, and. What they did was they tore down the guy's wall, you know, like because after like a certain hour, they all like lock their doors and they deal with you through those bulletproof windows. Well, apparently that wasn't going to stop these guys. So they took a backhoe and they just literally pulled down the guy's wall. I know he's hurt, by the way. And then what they were trying to do was get to the ATM inside. So they grabbed the ATM <laughs> machine. They, they smashed it and pulled it off the wall or whatever was anchoring it to the uh, property. Right, and then they had a secondary truck come in to like haul the way haul away the ATM. So they started pulling out the chain to get attach it to their truck. Apparently, they're just going to drag it away. But apparently, these guys did not, uh, you know, learn measurement in school because they didn't have enough chain to reach to the, wrap ATM. Around the ATM. Oh, that's hysterical! Yeah, so criminals are not the brightest the people. <laughs> now, some are so incredible. They, they had to. They had, Go ahead. They got away with nothing. They got away with nothing. They, they heard the sirens coming. They they they, they split. Um, but yeah, so it's they, they kind of a these funny story. Um, That's hysterical. Well, criminal, the you know, criminal ineptitude uh, is like used to be a regular feature. Uh, there was a. Do you remember Lee Rogers, uh, who was a Bay Area talk show host for years and years and years? Um, he he died, I think, in the mm-hmm. '90s, maybe. Anyway, I actually met him. Um, and uh, who's the other one? I've forgotten her name. She was married to Jack Swanson, who was the, the, the president of the company. Anyway, Lee Rogers would do ineptitude and crime reports, mm-hmm. and we talk about criminals that really screwed up. And, and some of them are hysterical. Uh, there were, but there was a jewel uh, heist in France several years ago. I think it might have even been Monaco, where they tunneled from one, like a pharmacy was next to a bank. So they break into the pharmacy. So nobody knows. No one cares, mm-hmm. right, because they're closed for whatever Sunday. And they dig down through the floor, come up into the bank, and they, they came up actually in the vault. So they didn't have to break into the vault. The vault was incredibly secure. They're, they're never going to break into the vault. But, they did, but the floor apparently wasn't that secure. So they came up through the floor and just stole everything. And they were in there like all weekend long. You know, it's a famous story. Hey, uh, let me introduce you to one of our other reporters here. I'm going to bring on CJ and I'm going to put to him in a second. So I love it when other reporters mm-hmm. meet, especially when they don't expect to meet, like now. Uh, so CJ does our Wellness Watch. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bianca Von Krieg does our, our Progressive Report. CJ, how are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? 
Having a great time. Do you, do you, you've been listening for a few minutes now. Do you have any questions about our ineptitude and crime report or any questions uh, from our, of our West Coast progressive reporter? I know I'm putting you on the spot. I know you didn't expect this, but uh, you're here. So, you know, this is what I do. <laughs> well, no, I literally just caught the last 60 seconds. So I'm going to have to go back. So I actually, I do not have any, any questions. I've been trying to listen a little bit in the background. We just got a new puppy. So I've been a little preoccupied. So Well, that'll do it. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Well, Bianca, thank you. This has been fascinating. And I know it's a challenging thing to talk about uh, the Nashville murders uh, just because this big what the media is doing and everything else. So I appreciate uh, being able to, to go over that issue. Um, anything you want to leave us with? And we'll see you at our regular time next week. Hopefully, no, uh, if, uh, you know, sometimes radio.com uh, is working. Campaign, <laughs> sometimes, yeah, sometimes it's worth you can all you can find the archived episodes on Rumble on our Rumble channel. Um, mm-hmm. You can find us on the internet at biancaforsanfrancisco.org. Please give to the campaign; it's going well. Pelosi is getting her ass kicked six ways from Sunday. Yay! And uh, I'm, that's that's all all the time I have. I am Bianca von Krieg, and that's the way it is because that's the way they want it, and I am out of here. <laughs> oh, keep that line. I want to hear that every week. That's a great line. Thanks, Bianca. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs> All right. All right. Bye now. Let's go on to CJ. What is health? What does it take to stay healthy? We have a longer lifespan than 100 years ago, but is the quality of life any better? 100 years ago, their food was better. They got more exercise. They weren't as fat. They didn't have preservatives, antidepressants, sugar in everything, and they didn't have vaccines. If you talk about alternative health care, people think of crystals, incense, strange candles, Ouija boards, notions, potions, lotions, and total hippies telling you to detox, man. So let's change our system of sick care into wellness. Let's get healthy. Let's lower our stress. Stop taking in poisons, eat and drink organic, clean food, and let's have a chat with CJ, because this is CJ's Wellness Watch on Action Radio. Yeah, it's been a pretty interesting day. We started off with uh, airline safety. You know, affirmative action and COVID policies reducing the, uh, the the quality of air traffic controllers is a whole bunch more uh, near hits uh, in that. And then we had uh, Bianca with the West Coast Progressive Report, um, which is always fascinating. <laughs> she comes with about like seven different headlines. And uh, now we're going to wellness. So this is this is quite an interesting day. And I'm happy that we're still on the air <laughs> because this is the longest we've been on the air all week. So uh, <laughs> things are going well. Oh. Well, you know, um with just the last statement that you said, it's interesting. This is not what I was going to talk about because I have three small topics I was going to touch on today. Okay. But you just brought up something very interesting. You know, I cannot tell you, and I'm disgusted by it, how many brief conversations that I have had this week hmm. in regards still to this COVID vaccine where people are saying, oh, I'm due for the COVID vaccine. I'm due. It's not, a you know, not getting the boost, not whatever, but like re-upping or whatever because it's been so long, kind of like, quote, unquote, the, the flu shot. And I am just completely appalled and disgusted that these people, even though they are hearing and seeing things, that a lot of them are going in for another another shot, another, like, I mean, we should you know, start calling it the lemming shot. 
We're going to start calling it the lemming shot on the show. Have you had your lemming shot? What's a lemming shot? Well, that's where you turn into a lemming and jump off a cliff with all the other lemmings <laughs> once every oh. seven years. Right. So we're going to start calling it the lemming shot. Yeah. It's, uh, it, this is, now, there's a fascinating thing you might want to take a look at uh, on, uh, on YouTube. It's called the Academy of Ideas. And uh, I know it's good because it, they, they try and ban it whenever I put, post uh, it to my Facebook group. So usually the Mind Project. But go to Academy of Ideas. You know, it's great. That's how you know you're on target, right? Uh, they have a, right. It started with a, a thing on mass psychosis. And it really explained the whole COVID mass psychosis and people's dependence on, on being told what to do. And it, it's right. uh, and on fear. And it's fascinating how this all, once you, once you learn how mass psychosis works, everything else makes sense about COVID. Uh, these people who probably either either never had COVID or are panicked about it, or they have had COVID because of the shot, they're going to get COVID again. In fact, you know, the people, the more shots you get, the more COVID you're going to get. I mean, that's just a known fact. And yet right. the, the, in that evidence staring them right in the face, they, they don't, it doesn't register. It's like, you know, you can whack them with a two by four and saying, if you get the COVID shot, you're going to get COVID. Idiots. Well, I better right. get my COVID shot so I don't get COVID. It, it's just, it's, it just doesn't register. There's a disconnect. And, yeah. And, you know, I don't know if any of your viewers saw this. Not like we didn't already know some of this, but I'm just saying mm-hmm. it's become, it, it's been out there in the world of holistic wellness and social media and whatnot very prevalent, prevalently over the past weeks that formaldehyde and mercury, you know, are actual ingredients in this year's flu vac. Flu, flu vac. Well, they always and, are. Yeah. Well, aluminum, that's what I'm too. But, and aluminum calls but al- Alzheimer's. Yeah. Right. Right. But what I'm saying is that, you know, sometimes they hide the ingredients or they don't do this or they put it in this. No, it actually, mm. actually says it. Like I have a label because I posted it on my mm-hmm. social media and there's so many people. So many people, and I think, I'm not 100% sure, but I'm like 98% sure that my mother got her flu shot, got her COVID shot. Oh, and, no. And I'm sorry. She had gotten the Johnson & Johnson, and I literally cried and about smacked her when she did it. I'm like, please tell me you didn't. Please tell me you didn't. And, you know, I, I don't, to the best of my knowledge, she's always gotten the flu shot, and then after she gets the flu shot, even before these COVID shots, she always gets sick. So, why, why did she get the flu shot? Oh, she gets sick after the flu shot with the flu? Probably. Yeah. 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 If yeah. you want to avoid the flu, yeah. avoid the flu shot. I mean, the flu shot gives you flu. See, this is the marketing. This is what I think. This is my theory is that these shots are guaranteed to give you the very disease that they say they're trying to prevent. That way they sell more of it. So look how much flu is out there. Hey, what are these people getting flu? You better get a flu shot. Well, the people getting the flu got the flu shot. It's a marketing right. device. If you give people, it's like if, it, it, it's like if aspirin gave you headaches. How much of that aspirin would right. you take? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I better take exactly. more aspirin. I got a headache. And the aspirin gives you a bigger headache. And, and they don't they, right. disconnect. They're not seeing it. I don't get it. Exactly. So, but, you know, that huh. was just something you know, with what you just said. And, and, and it's been, I just can't believe how many conversations I've had this week. And it's, well, what it's do they so heart wrenching. You know? how, how do they say it? How do they approach it? How do they tell you? What, what are the conversations without names? Of course, well, like but... I was talking, well, so I was talking to my stepmom yesterday. I said, okay. what are you doing today? Well, I got to go get my COVID vaccine. And she's had all the boosters and all the things. And this is a beautiful, I thought, smart woman who's never had a health issue in her life. Hmm. You know, and I haven't asked, are you having any health challenges or this or that? They're saying, but, you know, she follows. She follows my podcast. She sees the thing. She's a news watcher. And even though, you know, many of but, us who are listening but, aren't. 
big, you know, mainstream media, you know, watchers, we do know that things have been leaked out. We do know that they've been showing different things with athletes and, and things like that. So when she told me that this was just that she was going to get her up COVID shot, I mean, my heart sank to my toes. Oh, I'm so sorry. Why did she you know, do it? What, what was the reason? What was, why would she possibly want to get one? Well, I think she's brainwashed like everybody else. And, you know, I think, I don't know if I mentioned this before on the podcast, but um, my dad was a surgeon. And so she, and she was yep. in the medical field. She was married to my dad, obviously. And mm-hmm. so and she used to work at a hospital, not as a doctor mm-hmm. or nurse, but she did admin stuff. So she's been around that community. You know, it's, it's the way you've been brainwashed and the way you've been raised and what you think you know that you really don't know. Right. And it sucks. Hmm. Let me, uh, no, it it does. uh, Let me go over something I found. Um, And we're way off target today, which is good because we give us more time to talk about stuff. uh, This is going to be a busy hour. So back when Peter McCullough was on with Joe Rogan, uh, it was the first time I heard about mass psychosis. And this is a couple of years ago. And so I, I played it over and over again and wrote it all down. So I had here Peter McCullough with Joe Rogan, the four components of mass psychosis groupthink as related to the COVID, uh, the government COVID uh, hoax. Now, what's interesting is I was against the vaccine back in February of 2020, not even March, February. I was already against it. And the reason I was against it is because it was too late. COVID's already here. Vaccines take right. 15 years. Why would you even think about a vaccine if the virus is already here? You need to cure it and kill it. And then I found right. ways to do that by, you know, my magic search where I said, where I put it in the search engine, what kills viruses? And then I got all this wonderful information. And from then I said, well, we don't have to have a vaccine. We can kill it. We can cure it. You know, and ever since then, I was not only a skeptic, I was against it because Dr. Fascist, all he would consider was the vaccine is the only recourse. I used to say all roads lead to the vaccine. Well, if it's the only recourse and it takes 15 years, that's insane. That's irrational. Why would the only recourse against a virus that's already here be something that takes 15 years to get? Right. No that doubt. makes no sense. Right. No, absolutely not. Absolutely uh-huh. not. So anyway, um, but I just thought that I would bring that up, you know, kind of how oh, you... Oh, no, I, I, want to, uh, I want to expand on that a little bit because I want to go over... There's four components of mass psychosis and there are three cures. You might find this really interesting. In fact, I might even put it on Facebook again. The first... In order for mass psychosis, this is what the psychologists say, must be a period of prolonged isolation. How does that relate oh, to COVID? Wow. First thing, wow. so, 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 so to cause a mass psychosis, there must be a period of prolonged isolation. Can you think of anything in COVID that isolated? Can you think of anything uh, in COVID that didn't isolate? <laughs> you know, I mean, what, what comes to mind? We have all the lockdowns, and we were fed yep. information. Mm-hmm. Masks, school closures, what else? Mass psychosis, yep. They put in our brains all this that was travel not restrictions. Food. Yep. Yeah, Vaccine passports. Wanna, wanna, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. Wow. Here's a, but you would yeah, people would learn, and and there are a handful of people that have learned, but there's still so many people that have such blinders on. Mm-hmm. I can't explain that. All I can do is is tell you what the psychologists say. I think they're right. Here's the second component. Must be a period of time taking away things people used to enjoy. That's the second component of mass psychosis. Take away things people used to enjoy. Parks, recreation, church, you know, store, beaches, you know, all the things that were closed, right? You know what? But the ABC stores were open. The ABC stores were open. Yeah, so were the strip joints. 
Isn't that interesting? Exactly. So the, so, the, so the churches were closed and the strip joints and alcohol places were open, which means the government had a preference for things that hurt you or that are decadent right. or debaucherous over things that are good for you. So they closed right. the health food stores, they closed the churches, and they kept open the alcohol, they, they kept open the alcohols in the bars and the strip joints. That's fascinating. Third component, there must be constant, incessant, free-floating anxiety. Oh, my gosh, yes. That's now, this was written before yeah. COVID, okay? This is, this is, these are the components of mass psychosis. This goes back probably to the 30s. There must be constant, incessant, free-floating anxiety. Well, I mean, Dr. Fascist, that's all he did. He scared the hell out of people. Right. Now, right. Here's, here's the kicker. You're going to die of this. There must be a single solution offered by an entity in authority. Dang. What was the single solution? Wow. And who was the entity in authority? From, from, and who was the authority? Fauci. Exactly. Yeah. So this is classic mass psychosis, right? So Dr. Fascist and the single solution was the vaccine, even though we know damn well that hydroxychloroquine, ivermectin, vitamin D3, vitamin C, and zinc cured COVID. You never needed a vaccine. You didn't have to spend a single dollar on a vaccine. The government didn't have to borrow a single dollar of their $7 trillion that they borrowed for this. This is marketing, and this is money. This is a money. This is a money-demic. You like that word? It's a money-demic, not a pandemic, a money-demic. Yeah. Now, are you ready for the cures? Here are the cures. First cure, the truth. Speak it as far and as wide as possible, regardless of the opposition. It is stronger than their lies. You and I have never stopped speaking the truth. Here's the second cure. Ridicule. Tyrants and dictators have virtually no sense of humor, but are extremely vulnerable to public ridicule much more than organized opposition. So they don't care about opposition. But they do care about well, Why do you think I call him Dr. Fascist? There's a reason for that. Yep. It's public ridicule. Everything we do here, did you, I, in fact, I just played our, our diversity workshop. It's brand new. <laughs> Want to hear it? <laughs> it's kind of funny. It's, if it's really, well, I'll say it for another time. We'll do it next week. I just played it today. But everything I do, all my little, all my little uh, propaganda piece, or my satire pieces, that's all ridicule. It's all ridicule. And here's the last one, and this is the most important. Parallel structures. And this is Valklav Havel of the Czech Republic found that organizations operating within a tyranny or, ma- of mass, psych- or mass psychosis, but not, a- but not of the mass psychosis, can have far more effect because of the moral authority of the honest warriors uh, can be more effective than, the political, than political direct action. And I put in action radio is a parallel structure to the corrupt legislatures at all levels. So we are a parallel structure here. We are writing civilian, we're writing citizen legislation better than the, than, than the official legislators in government. So we have set up a yep. parallel legislature here to what's going on in Congress, the state legislatures, and local governments. And we're writing better bills. And we've got Citizen Legislation Day coming up. What do you think? I mean, that's, that's amazing. Well, it's just like when you were talking about, you know, what was the, the, the solution with the vaccine. You know, mm-hmm. isn't my arm? and saying they were giving all those vaccines for, for free, but for something that you have to pay for, such as a service from myself or another wellness professional or your vitamin D or your zinc or your ivermectin, things that will cost you money to go and do where you can get poison for free, people were like, oh, I'm going to get this for free because they were just so brainwashed. But it wasn't free. 
It was all taxpayer. It was it was borrowed money. It's right, contributing to our right. national debt, which is now. Do you know the the national debt? Here's the interest. The interest on the national debt just crossed a trillion dollars a year. Wow. Yeah. That's one trillion dollars in dead money, because because interest payments are are dead money. They don't produce anything. Interest is like paying interest on credit cards or interest on, you know, car loans. Interest interest is dead money. It's money you have to pay because you took you took the debt, but it doesn't do anything for you. So now we have one trillion. So the government takes in five trillion dollars. So one trillion of the government's five trillion in revenue has to go for interest on the national debt. Now they normally borrow an extra trillion dollars anyway, so now they have to borrow two trillion dollars. They have to borrow a trillion to pay the the interest on the debt of the money they've already borrowed, uh-huh. and plus another trillion to make up for the lost money because the national debt is now a trillion. So now they're going to have to borrow two trillion dollars above revenue to pay the one trillion interest. And have the one trillion that that interest cost their overall expenses, and that's just to break even. Yeah, that's called yep. bankruptcy. When you borrow money yep. to pay the interest on your debt, that's called bankruptcy. Yeah. Wow. Interesting morning, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, what do you want to talk about? <laughs> so, um, well, there's Let's like do a said, segue. There's, I think for like three topics, I just wanted to hit on. Um, okay. that have been subjects this, this week. First of all, you know, the holidays are approaching, um, and this is the season. People are out, you know, hustle, bustle, shopping, Thanksgiving, mm. the, the Christmas season, all the things. Yay. And, eat. <laughs> yeah, and people are going, you know, to fast food restaurants. I mean, mm. and, yeah, and, and so I don't know if people are aware of this or not, and I will I will say, I was very naive of this probably about, I don't know, three to five years ago. I, I, I had no idea this. And I think I mentioned this before to your viewers. So when we used to travel or be out and about or even locally or whatever, the only quote-unquote fast food restaurant we would ever go to would be Chick-fil-A because, you know, I associated them with, you know, being closed on Sundays and the Christian perspective and mm-hmm. supporting them and it being, you know, all the things and the chicken and blah, blah, blah. And I've been trying to tell my daughter, you know, we don't go there anymore. I mean, I can't tell you the last time I went personally that I took myself or my daughter through a fast food chain restaurant. I cannot mm-hmm. remember the last time. Uh, it's not to say that we'll never do it again, maybe once a year, or, you know, if, if circumstances <laughs> persist. But, you know, 99.9% of the time. Just for nostalgia, right? <laughs> right, right. Yeah, okay. yeah exactly. And, and what's interesting, I'll, I'll, I'll share a little bit of CJ's dysfunction. I used to, when we used to go to Chick-fil-A, you know, I'm a vegetarian. Mm-hmm. I really don't, I don't eat chicken. Like I said, I do eat some fish. But because I don't eat fried food or any of that stuff, I would always ask my daughter, I'm like, oh, I want that little piece of crispy on that chicken. Like, it's just something, like, so satisfying. And the reason is because it, it has ingredients in it that are addictive that make you coming back, you know, for more, for more, all the, all the time. And it was just released that Chick-fil-A chicken sandwiches have contraceptive and antiparasitic drug detected in Chick-fil-A sandwiches. And about point thirty six, um typically what do you mean, but it also has a detection of nicarbazin nicar, detected. And I don't know what that is. Being, I don't, I'm not really sure. I'm still back with the contraceptive. Why would you have contraceptive chemicals in, what, like like the pill, that kind of stuff? Exactly. 
That's what it's saying. I'm reading it right, right here, and I have. Oh, I believe you. I'm right just. I just never heard this before. This is fascinating. Yeah, yeah. So huh. this, this is the Chick Fil A chicken sandwich, and we all know that it's got natural flavors, which is chemicals. It's got soybean oil, potassium iodine, yeah. potassium phosphate, glutamate, aluminum phosphate. Uh oh, um, that's that's uh, that's uh, Alzheimer's right there. Yep, monosodium, and it's got anti-foam agent in the sandwich. And if you pull up the ingredients of the Chick-fil-A sandwich, it tells you right there what's in it. But the problem anti-foam? is people don't, people don't read, but they don't understand. No, I, no, I agree with you. I said this is fascinating. Um, I mean, actually I makes, no well, here, are they under new management by any chance? Uh, have they changed they from their Christian roots? Yeah, that's what know. I'm wondering. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. But, I mean, honest to goodness, I knew that there was bad stuff in the Chick-fil-A stuff, but I had no idea there was an anti-foam agent. I Why mean, and an anti-foam lit- agent? What, what's, what's, what, what foam is in chicken? I've never heard it's, that. Okay. Unless, it's, can, unless it's the coating uh, chemicals or something in there, that, uh, in the, like the oils. Is it the, the oils that they cook it in foam? I don't know. Soap foam. No, uh, let me see if I can say the word. Uh, Dimethyltryphosphate, something. It's like a thirteen-letter word. That's an organic um, chemical. So that's that's uh, that's like a, like acetone or something like that. It's like yeah. an organic, like a like yeah. a solvent. That's what it's, it's like. Methane, methyl is like a solvent. Right. Like methyl butyl. Right. You know, that's like a, everything from natural gas to hydrocarbons to solvents to alcohols to things like that. Yeah, that's weird stuff. That's like a, it's probably a sterilizing agent. Acetone in it, like you know, a, a, a sandwich has a something you're eating has acetone in it, like nail polish remover, and, and you're eating it. Well, it might be formaldehyde. I, that might be that might be part of the chemicals of formaldehyde. I mean, I don't think I'll ever eat a crispy off of a Chick Fil A sandwich again. Yeah, I haven't for you know. Well, the only the closest one I thought was was pretty decent was Arby's because they had real meat. They actually have roast beef. So so right. so the, so you never eat ground beef anymore. You never you never eat ground beef because ground beef can be from several different countries. You don't know mad cow disease. So so ground beef is out. Um, right. Marco types in from the Netherlands acetone in food. Now I only mentioned acetone because it sounded like the chemical formula that CJ was talking about. Uh, I don't think it's acetone right. food. That would be illegal. However, does it recombine? Uh, do you know how? Because some chemicals combine into things. It's like cleansers. You know, if you mix uh, bleach and uh, ammonia, it produces a poison right. gas. So you don't uh-huh. do that. But some things form. I think dioxin uh, bonds with some other chemicals and even gets more deadly, depending on what's in there. So they test the chemicals individually, but I don't know if they test them together. So where's the safest place to go? I mean, I, I eat mostly my own food, which is which is like produce and uh, you know meats from the market. Don't eat carbs once in a while right. um very few uh, although occasionally i'm guilty of like a chicken pot pie because they're good yeah <laughs> so so that's my indulgence that that's the extent of my indulgence everything else is like you know farm fresh eggs and uh you know other stuff i've even uh, i'm not crazy about uh bacon and beef these days just because of all the chemicals they put in the food correct so i'm not sure what to eat you know but i, I feel well, fine on my diet you know even uh, chicken like I chicken said, suspect now they're, too they're, yeah there are, like I said, I, I can count on one hand less, you know, how many mm-hmm. times, you know, we've gone, we go to a fast food restaurant throughout. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't even remember, like I said, the next time. You know, now we're going to yeah. be doing some traveling probably 
well, I know I'm going to be traveling in January and whatnot, you know, mm-hmm. but I'm um, just, it's, it's, again, if you eat that once a year, it's not going to kill you. But now nope. that you actually know what's in it, it's what you do over time, you know, that makes a really big impact. Because, again, you could compare that, quote, unquote, to anything, whether it's alcohol, whether it's a piece of pie, whether it's a Snickers bar. You know, if you do that, you know, on occasion, you know, mm-hmm. it, 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 it's, it's different. But I also found people who mm-hmm. really want to know, which are very few, like there's a great – I've got a recipe. I can probably send it to you or now that I have access to your Facebook page through, through my girlfriend because um, I can see everything that's on, on there now. Um, mm-hmm. A lot of stuff, it's, huh? We got twenty four yeah, groups. Take your stuff. pick. We got twenty four yeah, Facebook groups. Great. Can you believe that? Yeah, I'm busy That's boy. Amazing. Yeah. That's no, amazing. I just, I just went crazy. <laughs> it's probably too much. Good. But, there's yeah, actually yeah. like a um a very healthy Chick fil A sandwich that you can make that tastes exactly oh. like a Chick fil A sandwich. And I'll read just the ingredients off to you, and then I'll, I want to get on to the next um subject that I wanted to bring well, up. And I got but, one quick thing on this, but because there's something else I want to bring up. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah. 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 So okay. So the the ingredients are you want to get, excuse me, hormone free boneless chicken breast, salt and pepper, right. paprika, pickle, pickle uh-huh. juice, pickles, apple cider uh-huh. vinegar, a cup of spelt flour. Um, I mean, I assume you could use coconut flour or something else, but the recipe actually calls for spelt flour. A uh-huh. tablespoon of powdered sugar, baking soda, dry mustard, one egg, almond milk, olive oil or coconut oil, uh-huh. four cups of whole sprouted wheat and a tablespoon of butter. So I have not tried the recipe yet. I'm going to make it for my daughter and I will probably taste it, you know, taste the crispies or something. Um, right. I'm going to bake it, but there are healthy alternatives that you can find access to online for your favorite recipes that maybe are garbage. Yeah. Well, let me tell you what I do. First of all, uh, I don't eat any fried foods anymore. Fried foods are out. Right. Uh, so they're just gone. Um, but uh, if I'm going to go fast food, I go to a sandwich shop, Subway, yeah. Uh, yeah. some of those other places, uh, like a, a local deli or, or, or like, a, um, a depart- uh, like a grocery store or a supermarket sandwich shop. Because you figure okay. those, the bread, you know, I don't need the bread, but the bread once a year is not going to kill me either. Uh, but you look at the ingredients, you know, ham, that's a little bit processed, but it's not as bad as a, as a lot of ground beef and other things like that. But if you get like a tuna or you get uh, some kind of a natural sandwich. Uh, and then look at what else are you getting? Vegetables, you know, lettuce, tomato, uh, peppers, right. you know, whatever else you get, mushrooms, olives, right. and then you get like a dressing, oil, vinegar. You know, I don't, I'm not big on mayonnaise, um, so I'll go with like a honey mustard dressing or something like that. So that's still fast food, but to me, the the best compromise you got to get away from the burgers and fries, because that's just, or or fried chicken, anything fried. But the best alternative to me for fast food is are, are the sandwich shops. What do you think? Right. No, no, I, I, you know, again, the lesser of the evils, right? If you want something like that, you know, because I'm obviously not a big fan of deli, deli meats, but, or, you know, using vegetables, we know they're not organic, but again. You can get vegetarian ones. Yeah. Or get tuna ones. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great alternative for when you need to do that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I yep. think that's a great alternative. Like when we travel, I tend to make, you know, our own tuna sandwiches or chicken salad sandwiches, you know, for for my for my daughter or whatever because I can use you know the mayonnaise that has the avocado oil and all the things and more cost mm-hmm. effective and blah 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 right. but yes I do agree with you I do agree with you that that is a better alternative than the other options 
for sure, if you're going to choose to do that a couple times a year, I think that that's correct. Yeah. Marco has a point here, <clears throat> excuse me, from the Netherlands. He says that he uses an air fryer. I guess it's like a convection yeah. oven. Tell me about those. Yeah, I, you know, you want to be careful with the air fryers. Air fryers are wonderful, but you want to make sure you have a metal air air fryer. I had bought one that was made out of, like, you know, your plastics or whatever, and a lot of when that heats up, mm-hmm. you don't want those those molecules and the plastic seeping into your food. It's almost like jar containers versus plastics or stuff that doesn't have the uh, the BPA in it, you know, when you're storing leftovers or whatever. So I think air fryers are absolutely wonderful, but you want to make sure you have a metal one and not one mm-hmm. that has those plastic trays, you know, on there. And there Why would is, you have plastic um, have trays? To, that seems weird. Well, I'd have to look it up. There's only one or two that I'm aware of, and I did research on this um Last year, and I can't remember what it was. I'd have to do it again to refresh my memory. Well, we can do it next week or sometime. Yeah. Uh-huh. There's only a handful of non-toxic air fryers out there to where the whatever is in the cooking basket or the trays that you're air frying in, where you will uh-huh. not have those chemicals at high heat seep into your food, even though you're using air, right? Yeah. So you've got to be careful with which brands you are using because some most of them are very toxic unless they're made of metal. Yeah, I got a couple of questions. One is on Teflon and, and coated pans versus ceramic. And Josie types in something. Uh, she texts me about uh, lab meat. And uh, do you know oh. if you're getting chicken? Are you getting lab meat chicken or are you getting real chicken? You know, I mean, they have to do it, but, it, it, they don't, but restaurants don't usually label. You don't see the label of, of, uh, of the package that the food came in, especially meat. So let's, 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 let's talk lab meat first, then we'll get on to Teflon. Yeah. So, let's, yeah, so, well, so lab meat, how do we know? Good question. Or do we know? Good question. Yeah. I, you know, I'm just going to be honest. I haven't looked for it because I don't buy, I don't buy it for my home. So okay. I don't, I've no, not looked at the label. But you, know, but you know what? It's kind of like I would assume, and somebody that's read the labels might know differently than me because, again, I don't shop in the meat department. I don't do any of that. So the kind of like the avocados. Now, you know, you want to watch for that appeal sticker. So if you have the appeal uh, sticker on it, you yeah. know, we we know that that's not a good putting in there. So I would assume, and I may be wrong, that some sort of produce should have some sort of a sticker on it. The problem is I don't think it's going to say lab-grown. It's probably going to say something else. So you have to be aware of what the labels actually mean. Yeah, gluteus um, maximus. <laughs> you know, be something. Something. Right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Sorry. Right. Now I it. will tell you, this is uh-huh. a good option for people, but most people don't want to do it. Uh-huh. But so I do have chicken at my home, so I'm going to contradict myself. But I don't buy it at the grocery store. So right. I go to a, a a farm that's actually in Winston Salem, North Carolina, and uh-huh. they're a Patriot-owned company. They, you know. It's hormone-free. They guarantee their food. They handle it with kick gloves. They're a family-owned company, and I buy chicken only from them. You know, they have beef. I don't buy beef, but I buy the chicken, and that's the only chicken. I mean, I support them, um, mm-hmm. Makes and sense. they are the cleanest that I have found. I mean, there's, there's probably a lot of them around, and you can probably look on Public Square as well, like to order right. stuff, and you don't have to be on an automatic shipment or anything like that, but... I personally, my fish, I get straight from the Faroe Islands, and I buy haddock, and I buy um, um, Faroe Island salmon, straight straight from the freshwater companies, 
from the, from from that location. I don't buy food like that at a grocery store or a farmer's market because they're still regulated unless I know the farm. So I got to know this particular farm and asked a lot of questions, and I know some of my colleagues who are integrative specialists and naturopathic doctors and stuff here in my area use and order from that particular farm for their chicken for their family. And mm-hmm. so, you know, I ask a lot of questions before I send my send my money there. So you do have options to get good quality, as clean as you can, produce and beef, you know, from grass-fed farms or, you know, if you know they're not being shot up with, you know, hormones, I wouldn't trust anything that says even grass-fed in your local Harris Teeter, Publix, Kroger's, or whatever you want to call it. So I, I can't answer that question because I don't look at those labels. That makes sense. Jesse typed in something also. Uh, any veg- any vegetables and fruits with a pound sign starting with a three or a four has pesticides. Um, I'm not sure. I, I've heard that uh, three that four numbers is regular and five numbers is organic. That's what I've heard. So I'm, I, I would have to investigate that. What do you know about that, CJ? Yes, that is that is true. There is a there is a chart, and I would have to pull it up because I wasn't prepared for that. But there is a chart, correct, that will tell you what labels. To look for and what labels mean mean what? But, well, she's yeah. also either either it has nine numbers, uh, or I think it starts with a nine. If it starts with a nine, it's organic also. So there's ways. Yeah, check the labels. And I always do that too. Whenever we have the Action Radio Life and Health Coaching page, whenever I see a label that's suspect, I'll take a picture of it in the store and, and put it on uh, Facebook and say, "This doesn't sound right," <laughs> you know, because we had a chicken pot pie that uh, it was called chicken, but they had C H I K apostrophe or they had a star instead of the i and then n so it's chick n and so it wasn't they it looks like chicken if you look at it quickly but it's really not so in other words they're faking you out so they can't say chicken because chicken actually has to be you know from a chicken so they call it okay, chick so, you know apostrophe so, or chick chick star n right. and now and it was lab meat it was crazy so here's, uh, here's it was, what it is uh-huh. a, a four digit code means conventionally grown a five right. digit Digit one starting with a nine means organic. So a four-digit code means professionally grown, while a five-digit one starting with a nine means organic. Five-digit code starting with an eight means genetically modified. So, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, I think Josie was right, but I just we we, we uh, maybe I goofed up when I read it, but uh, yeah. So watch out for eight. So eight eight is infinity. That's bad. Nine is good. <laughs> organic yeah. and four I, numbers are okay <laughs> we're not yeah. sure what they have yeah okay All right yeah so there is a, there is a, there is a chart but it's good to know you know the basics for sure mm-hmm. for sure All right. how about cookware let's talk about uh, stainless versus uh cast iron skillets versus are there any coated like teflon versus ceramic you got some feelings well, on i don't those? think any of yeah, it's funny because I just bought new cookware about three months ago. I threw out all my stuff that my mom had given me a while ago because it was all crap. Mm-hmm. And she just left. She was here for about eight days. And she's like, where did all that cookware go? I got you. I said it was old and I threw it away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Recycled it. And, uh, it's, now, it's now making a Volkswagen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yep. Well, you know, now Jimmy um, yeah. I, I, I really think that, Cast iron is the best. Right. Um, but there are some other products out there that are really good. 
for cooking on the stove. So I don't have any of that Teflon. I don't have any any of that stuff. I know. Well, a I don't lot think of they people. use that much anymore. They they use it like I have a frying pan that has a different coating. It's not Teflon. It's nonstick. I still throw a bunch of butter on it, so I don't need the nonstick part. But um, I, I want to get either a ceramic or something else, or maybe stainless steel. My cast iron is kind of tough on eggs. It's kind of hard to get them all. Because when your cast iron yeah. skillet's old, it, it doesn't do – it'll do great with bacon and, you know, beef and, and steak and things like that. It's perfect right. for that. It's not so good for eggs. So what do we – so how do we well, make – what kind of cookware do we like use? the green pans. There's, you know, the brand called Green Pans. Okay. Um, What's that? It, it, it's okay. It's mm-hmm. okay. Um, it's not my top pick, but it's better than, you know, the other cheaper and bad stuff, you know, that's out there. I mm-hmm. personally have – Stainless steel and cast iron. That's okay. what I that's what I use in in my home. Yeah. Um, so I was thinking of getting and, like a stainless steel fry pan and just slap lots of butter in it and cook my eggs in that. Yes, that's that's what I do. In fact, I I cooked scrambled eggs for my dogs this morning. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yep. Yep. And you can make it nonstick, yep. but you got to use a ton of butter and get it all seasoned and all that kind of stuff, right? Yep. But it, but mm-hmm. but stainless, it's like stainless steel water containers are good too because they don't transfer bacteria and germs, you know, things like that. Correct. Yeah. That is correct. That's that's, okay. that's correct. That's, um, the other okay. thing I wanted to touch on, a lot of the buzz has been about MCT oils. What's you that? You know, and well, MCT oils, they are saturated fats, and we all know that. MCT? Uh, let's get a definition M- for that. What's that? M- MCT oils. MCT, so, okay. What's that stand for? Yeah. And um, a lot of people tend to use those in their, in their coffee. It, it's uh-huh. basically medium-chain triglycerides. So those oh, okay. are found in oils, but a lot of people so use fat. coconut oil and palm oil, and I right. use that stuff a lot. Mm-hmm. So, and that's been a big buzzword. A lot of people put MCT oils in their coffee. You see a lot mm. of things like that are like collagen and MCT and things like to make your coffee creamier and healthy or healthier. Oh, like Dunkin' and, Donuts, cream, you know, pumpkin spice latte mix or something, some of those weird things. Yeah. You see in the exactly. stores? Okay. Oh, okay. Yep. Right. Yep. Yep. And so those are things that you can use, but because they're the better form of the saturated fat, because, you know, there are other fats, obviously, that we want to want to stay away from. So your right. healthier fats are considered, you know, your monosaturated and your polyunsaturated fats, just like your omega-3s your EPA, DHA, all of those things, they're polysaturated fats that play, mm. you know, that, that are really good for inflammation and whatnot. But MCT oil comes a lot from coconut oil. So as long as you're using something that's organic and it contains, like, um, a healthy acid in it, it really does mm. support a lot of the healthy, healthy brain, energy. Um, it digests much, much faster. So it depends on the source of the saturated fat, you know, because we can get all that from salmon and avocados and all the things, but most of us don't eat enough of that. So oh, I do. This past- I, I live on salmon and avocados. It's kind of like my diet. <laughs> Those are like oh, half really? of it. Oh, yeah, I, I love yeah. them both. Um, but here's the question, though. So coconut, I want to get more coconut in my diet. Uh, do I cook with coconut oil? Do I drink coconut oil? Do I get coconut, you know, pieces, treats? or I mean, What's the best way to get coconut in your diet? <laughs> all the things. 
all the okay. things. Obviously, eating fresh coconut is the best, but I use coconut oil and avocado oil a lot. I do use a little bit of flaxseed oil as well because mm-hmm. flaxseed oil is amazing. But getting your getting your coconut oil, you can just get it from buying, you know, an organic coconut oil, taking a teaspoon of it a, a day. It's very healthy, putting it in your coffee, buying a fresh coconut and eating the coconut. You know, coconut water is a little bit different, but coconut water is amazing for so many different benefits. So any which way you can slice it, dice it, or drink it in moderation is amazing. Why moderation? Is, is too much of it not good? Well, you got to remember, it is a saturated fat. You know? Oh, I see what you're so, saying. Yeah. Don't yeah, pour so it out of the coconut. Good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you know, you don't want to. Hey, yeah, I've had coconut wanna... right from the tree. We were in Tahiti on our way to the United States, and we stopped there as one of our island hops, you know, on this this ocean uh-huh. liner when we were when we were moving. And I saw a guy do what you see in the movies. He ran up a tree, took a machete, whacked off the the coconut, yeah. brought it down, sliced it open. I had fresh coconut milk. It was great. So coconut meat, coconut milk. It's like wow, that's pretty good. I love yeah. that. I've never had that, but I would love it. Oh, it, yeah, it's worth it. you you got to go, like, uh, some tropical place. Caribbean has it. Uh, you don't have to go all the way to Tahiti. We just, I just happen to be there. <laughs> exactly. Nice island, by the way. <laughs> Beautiful. I love Tahiti. Everybody speaks French. It's French island. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, no, um, I love using coconut oil. I mean, it's it's really good for you. But, again, it's in moderation because it is a saturated fat. But adding, like, a tablespoon of MCT oils, organic MCT, like, to your coffee, or to a salad dressing, anything like that is extremely beneficial. That makes sense. Yeah. So those were kind of the, the, the highlights that I wanted to hit on. And I think, you know, I think what I'd like to do in the upcoming um, shows is go into more of the holiday things like we tend to do, like some different options. For, for people and what to watch out for. And we can also touch on continuing to be proactive through these winter months, you know, with keeping our keeping our body healthy, trying to avoid getting any sort of crud and all those things. But I will say mm-hmm. that I've not already stocked up on some of your staples, being that it's November, I highly encourage everybody to, you know, get your ivermectin, have your good, your good, Good vitamins that will cost mm-hmm. you money, you know, versus dollar store stuff. Some good quality things in your in your cabinet that you should actually be, again, utilizing now. And then if for some reason you're feeling under the weather or funky, you need to be using a functional medicine dose, which is different than a prophylactic dose. So, you know, if you don't know what those things are, or you don't know what your options are, either from your budget or from an effectiveness, you know, to make sure you're not getting, again, some sort of cheap crap that's not going to not gonna do anything good for you other than allow you to pee it and poop it out, you can feel free to contact me with <laughs> multiple, multiple options. Either that, you know, we've heard a lot of um, doctors and individuals in this movement say you either have, you have very expensive poop and very expensive urine, nine out of ten people, because they're taking all this stuff, but their body's not using it. Yeah, exactly. And that, that, that's a funny thing. But when you mention word like prophylactic, people think you're talking about condoms. So I always have to say what, what, what people don't realize is it's a very generic word. It means a lot of different things. So don't, don't get too excited, folks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> if you want, 
It's true. Yeah. Hey, listen, I've got, I've got, uh, if you have to go or if, or if you, this is what you had uh, for today, I've got a, I, I have a huge airplane article I can get back to. We can talk about airplane safety, which you, you may or may not want to stick around for. It's going to be interesting, but I've got, uh, this, there's plenty of other, other things uh, going on here, but this is interesting. This has been very detailed. We had a lot of, we obviously we had listeners. We had, uh, Mark was typing and stuff. Joseph was typing and stuff. So there's a need, you know, we, we cover these huge, massive issues, but when it really comes down right. to it, some of the most important things you can do is what you put in your frying pan, you know, and it's, uh, and what the frying pan is, you know, it's really interesting. Right. Um, let me just ask one more. So you talk about the green thing, ceramic. Is there any, is there any virtue in ceramic or is it more of a gimmick? Is it any uh, healthier than stainless steel, for example? You know, it's, it's one of those things that this is better than that. Just like you were talking about Subway versus Chick-fil-A. I mean, if you're buying regular Teflon pans at, you know, Kohl's or wherever you're buying it or you're going, you know, wherever, green pans are better than the other pans, but they're not my top top favorite. So I think I think some of it is gimmick and hype. And then, okay. again, depending on what pan you're using, you can't just use a regular spatula. You know, you have to be using silicone or, you know, no metal on metal. And, it, it's the, again, right. the pros and cons, if you're buying a stainless steel pan and pot, mm-hmm. which I have, you know, mm-hmm. they are sometimes a booger, you know, to clean, but it's kind of right. like your cast iron. You know, you're going to season them. They may look dirty, but they're not, and you can't use soap on. So it, it's like if your budget is a $29 pan or something like that, you know, you got to go with, well, this is better than me getting this. You know, it may not be the top-notch pan, but this is better than my old stuff that I had. So... You know, and these things you can you can look up. I did a lot of research before I bought my pans, and I tended, um, and this is just me, I tend to buy the more higher-end expensive pans only because a lot of them come with, like, a lifetime warranty. So if I get, you know, one pan that costs me a pretty significant amount, I know that I can go to the company if I can't get it clean or something happens, and they will warrant the pan, and I will tell you, some of the higher-end pans that are really good from stainless steel, you can find them, I hate to say it, but you can find them like at a home goods store, you know, at a Marshalls and Home Goods and their cookware. Mm-hmm. Yep. So if you do the research and you say, okay, I want to look at these three top pans, you know, compare the price online, comparing to, you know, go to Home Goods and look for some of these pans and you, you can find them. So it's, it's more of what's the lesser of the evil, so to speak. Yeah. That no, makes sense. It makes perfect sense. So yeah, okay. Well, I'll tell you what. Let's let's hold up here. This has been great. I want to get all your contact information. I'm going to play a couple of uh, announcements that I haven't touched on, uh, and I want to say a little bit more about this uh, article that I started from Revolver about airplane safety, uh, because between COVID and affirmative action, uh, it's not so safe. It's not as safe as it was flying. And this was a right. this was our topic in the first hour. So yeah. So I want to come back to that, but I'll let you go for this. And uh, this has been interesting. It's been this has been good. Well, so let's get your contact up. So yep. Yeah. So you can email me at h2owellnessnetwork at gmail.com. That's h2owellnessnetwork at gmail.com. And then you can also find me on my podcast on Rumble. It's called the Angel Warrior Network. And just have all those words run together, the Angel Warrior Network on Rumble. And you can also find the podcast um, that Greg and I did, I think it was last Last week or the week before together. So that was so much fun. I posted. It was great. It's so a, I have to do it yep. again. Yep. Any Absolutely. questions from Absolutely. that? Uh, did anybody ask you any questions that we haven't answered from that? 
new questions in yep, the comments section? We, we had um, a couple thousand views on it and a lot of positive feedback. Good. Yeah, so it was great. So we will definitely set up a time to do it again, maybe sometime mm-hmm. in December, and I will be in contact with you. Yeah, and also, if any of your, I hate to ask this, but uh, I still need some help with our Citizen Legislation Day. So if any of your sponsors want to become part of, of the activism that we do and want to help, it, help us out, uh, this would be a great time. I'd love to have a wellness table. They're welcome to come to Citizen Legislation Day. Yeah. You're going to be there. So if you want to bring yeah. friends and if they want to, uh, we'll talk off the air about the detail. Well, I'll give you the thing. It's for anybody who wants to help our show, um, help our Citizen Legislation Day, paypal.me slash action radio. Is where is where you go. Yep, PayPal.me slash Action Radio. Yeah, because yep. I need a little bit more money to make it work, but we're getting there. You know, it's uh, it's yep, happening. I will um, I will put that out there on my show this evening, and like I said, all of your flyers, everything came through, and so Good. I will look forward to talking with you all next week, and have a very blessed day, and I'll be in touch with you this weekend, Greg. Perfect. Thank you, CJ. All right. Have a great day. Bye. Good good chat. You take care. I'm going to play a couple of announcements, and then I'll be back with a little bit of air safety, and that'll do it for today. So we've, uh, we've done well. Uh, what is it? 951? Be right back. Greg Penglis here for my book, The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction. Everyone at some point in their life wants to learn how to fly. Few try. Even fewer go on to get a license. I believe a major reason for that is how we teach people how to fly. My book is designed to help you navigate the flight training system, but it's so much more than that. It really describes an entirely new way to teach flying. So if you've never tried a lesson or got discouraged in your training and quit for any reason, this book can help you. Don't be a rope pilot who just follows procedures. Be a thinking pilot who makes great decisions, who understands all the reasons why we do what we do. You can incorporate these principles into your own flight training at any time. The Complete Guide to Flight Instruction is featured on the Action Radio with Greg Pankless Facebook page and is available from Amazon.com. Well, that sounds good. Even better. Okay, how about your car? If you want the best service for your vehicle, please talk to James at Florida Stores Automotive conveniently located at 6715 Caroline Street in the historic district of Milton, Florida, right between the Milton Bakery and the Blackwater Trail. Whether you need an oil change or an entire engine replaced, this is the place. The phone number is 850-623-6651. That's 850-623-6651. Call, ask questions, and get the information you need. Florida Stores Automotive is a full-service automotive shop for both domestic and imports, modern and classic. It is a family-owned business here in our Milton community. Open weekdays from 7.30 to 5 p.m., Florida Stores Automotive is a convenient place to keep your car maintained and on the road. Ask them about Firestone Tires and the rotation and maintenance plan. Florida Stores Automotive. I go there. You should, too. Action Radio, part of the ADHD Radio Network, the ultimate free speech zone. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed and have the power through juries to nullify the laws 
by which we do not consent to be governed. At Action Radio, we don't report the news. We are the news. Every other show reports what has happened. We talk about what can happen. From the questions no one has thought to ask, to the answers no one has thought to consider, to the actions no one has dared to take, that is Action Radio. So I want to go back to where we started this show with uh, this uh, report from Revolver magazine uh, on the air safety. So you just go to Revolver. They're online. And uh, Darren Beatty uh, is the editor. And this incredible article on how uh, the skies have become a lot less safe through a couple of different things. Uh, Affirmative action and wokeism. In other words, promoting people by uh, uh, skin color and uh, and, ethnic and religious group, a national group, uh, is supposed to qualify. And the other one being covid where so many government people left work from home and just the quality of people is, is far less. Now, again, in a lot of government departments, it's not a big deal. Okay. But in air traffic control, it's critical because when the air traffic controllers don't do their job right, people die. Large numbers of people die uh, in a very, uh, very disgusting and horrible way. Um, and everybody watches it because a lot of it's captured on film. So uh, this is a bad thing. So this is a Revolver article. And I, I've been reading part of it. I started this in the first hour. So if you missed the tower, go back to it uh, and then uh, catch up here and you can catch this part here. So this is from Revolver. And what they were talking about is the Texas power grid. And so the Texas power grid went down because they were incompetent too. This is basically incompetence is taking over uh, so many different areas. And so Revolver says the mess with the Texas power grid is only the beginning. In the years to come, American infrastructure will fail more and more often as America becomes less capable of maintaining the core elements of a first world country. In other words, maintaining the standards that we're used to. In other words, the best equipment, the best people, you know, doing the best job. That's, that's first world, all right, as opposed to corrupt inefficient, horrible, um, bribing, you know, uh, culture of whatever you can get away with, like a lot of the rest of the world. Then it says, uh, read the rest, the Texas power grid disaster is only the beginning. And then it says, technologists and entrepreneurs have long lamented a persistent scientific stagnation marked by a disappointing lack of innovation in various fields of science. Well, you can tell it with climate change. This is a bunch of propagandistic nonsense. They're not actually doing Climate science, they're just broadcasting political propaganda. That's a symptom of leftism, wokeism, and uh, uh, other things like that. Anyway, it says the condition described above is still more dire as it speaks to our increasing inability to merely maintain, much less innovate, our basic infrastructure and complex systems, as we noted in a follow-up to a piece on the electric grid uh, excerpted above. Then it says, uh, Revolver again, at its bedrock, infrastructure is substantially just people, a population of workers with the expertise and experience to keep a complex, complex system functional. I'm not functioning right now. Let me start again. At its bedrock, infrastructure is substantially just people, a population of workers with the expertise and experience to keep a complex system functional, reliable, and accident-free. Decline in this infrastructure, the human infrastructure, may be papered over with improved technology and automation, but when problems do arise, it is impossible to do to miss the decay. That's exactly what's happening. It, it, what it always comes down to is what it always comes down to. It's the people. There's my 90-second warning. I, may, I might continue a little bit of overtime, but probably not much. Uh, this is just so, so incredible. But when they get to another section, 
Um, it just, uh, it's just, uh, they're going to, I might, I might pick this up tomorrow because it's that good. Maybe in the third hour. Since the extensive treatment of the aviation industry uh, that follows builds upon the groundwork described above and represents another entry into the multiple part series chronicling in detail the collapse of America's ability to maintain the infrastructure of complex systems. You know what? I might just hold it up now. Uh, this, there'll be a little preview. I'm going to pick this up tomorrow and we'll start right here on safety concerns because there's a lot here. Uh, that uh, that you should uh, you should know about and it'd be worth covering in detail. So this is a little uh, little teaser for tomorrow. Uh, bye, Marco. You take care. And uh, I think uh, I'm probably going to be out of. I got about 30 seconds left. So let me just play a few more announcements. Get the ones I didn't cover the first time. Uh, to all my folks, uh, I guess uh, John's left, Bianchi's left. Marco, you take care. We'll see you tomorrow. And let me play you a couple more things. And then tomorrow we'll just pick it up, part two, of the destruction of our air traffic control network due to affirmative action, wokeism, and bizarre COVID policies. And I will talk to you then. Do you know your way around healthcare, insurance, pharmacies, surgery, alternative treatments and choices? I don't. Which is why I'm so glad I met Priscilla Romans, had her on Action Radio, and learned about health patient advocacy. She is the founder of Great Care. And now as an affiliate of Great Care, we are proud to offer through our discount code, WYL, which stands for Write Your Laws, a 10% discount. Great Care saves you both time and money. They provide medical advocacy, consultation, advice, and recommendations nationwide. Their website is greatcare.com. That's G-R-A-I-T-H-Care.com. You can email them at gracecare.adm at gmail.com or call them at 469-864-7149. That's 469-864-7149. Grace Care, better health through better knowledge and advocacy. And remember, paypal.me slash action radio if you want to help us out with Citizen Legislation Day. Here at Action Radio, we are looking for sponsors. We have 30 and 60 second spots available for your announcements. And we have three minute live call ins to talk about your products and services available. Action Radio is the next evolution beyond talk radio. Join us and let us help your business evolve. Think about being a sponsor of the future and not just a listener. And help us help your business grow as you help us plunge headlong into breaking new ground here on Action Radio every day. This is Greg Penglis for Strikeforce, your source for pure energy. Strikeforce is a concentrated energy drink that turns a half liter of your favorite beverage into an energy drink. You make your energy drink yourself. Action Radio is an affiliate of Strikeforce, so our listeners get a 20% discount. All you do is add our code, WYL, to the discount code window at checkout. W-Y-L comes from our website, Write Your Laws. So, you can get your energy drink, a 20% discount, and help Action Radio change the relationship of we the people to our government. Not bad. Strikeforce is at StrikeforceEnergy.com. That's StrikeforceEnergy.com. Start your engines. This is Greg Penglis. So what is Action Radio? 
It is a radio show with its own citizen legislature. That's you, the listener. It is a fully interactive system of listeners, expert guests, social media, writing bills, legislator input, bill submission, lobbying, and citizen action. Action Radio is the future of talk radio using all the available technology in one completely integrated new system. You are listening to Action Radio Online with Greg Penglis. The webpage for all Action Radio shows and podcasts is blogtalkradio.com slash citizenaction. Please share our show with all your friends and family, both nationally and internationally. The guiding principle of Action Radio is this. We the people give our consent to be governed through writing the laws by which we are governed. Then, Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now, Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.